Welcome to What's Your Hustle. It's the season two finale, and we're switching it up. In this episode, I am joined by two favorites of the podcast as we take a look back on the first three phases of the MCU. It's the refreshing characters, the redeemable villains, the decade of our 20s, and the marvel of inspiration. So let's get into it. Here's a What's Your Hustle special, the MCU in our time, with my guests, Sherilyn Ramden and Jasmine Durkash. Uh, <laughs> hey listeners, welcome to the season two finale of What's Your Hustle? Um, I want to thank all of you for going on this journey with me for season two. And we're going to mix it up a little bit. Um, as Sherilyn was describing, she did her nails for this event. I think she did them for fun, but I'm taking claim that she did them for this event. I did it for this event because I <laughs> forgot that I had them. <laughs> so. uh, on one set of, uh, one hand, she has uh, her set of nails done with the start of the Infinity Gauntlet. On the other side of her hand, she has them started with the Avengers symbol. So you guys are like, what are you talking about? What is this hustle? What's happening? To end season two, I wanted to pay tribute to the MCU. This was literally the decade of our 20s. We are covering from Iron Man to Endgame. We might speak on a little bit of um, Spider-Man Far From Home, but I, in full a disclosure... Bit. I got things to say about Far From Home. No, we're speaking about it. We're speak- uh, we are speaking about it. We're not doing a little bit. <laughs> As always, we usually wing these episodes because as my guests, Cheryl Ann Ramden and Jasmine Durkash are here, we tend to ramble and go on. So the questions I sent were brief, they were quick, but because we always have extra to say, and that's why I wanted to keep them that way. So hi, ladies. How are you? Exhausted, but good. Thank you. (laughs) And again, I'm alive. Uh, again, I almost got into an accident today. That's my own fault. I blame BTS. That BTS meal. <laughs> McDonald's. <laughs> Black nuggets. <laughs> I got the nugs, but yeah. <laughs> so this episode, it's uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be rowdy. Um, before we get started into the actual questions, a little background for people that are not completely familiar, I would think, with Marvel. It is, so a young man named Stanley Lieber wanted to take a risk, and him along with Jack Kirby, and for a time, Joe Simon, created what is now a sort of legacy. It is the Marvel Comics. It is this behemoth of, like, entertainment, fun. It gives a spot, I think, the overall theme of... Just people finding their place in the world, and I think that's why it speaks volume to so many fans, is because for so long, if you read some of these comics, people are the outcast, they are, you know, the underdog, and they're always just trying to find their way, and Marvel Comics had a beautiful way of doing that and displaying that to fans all over the world, really. I don't know if there's anywhere that doesn't have you know, Marvel as a sort of impact onto their lives. So speaking of Marvel and as the impact, uh, Jasmine, we'll start with you. When were you first, like, aware of Marvel? Not only, you know, the Avengers, but, you know, we go back to X-Men, we Fantastic Four, 
there's just so many rich, there's so much rich material. What was your first exposure to Marvel? Um, it was Adventures in Babysitting. <laughs> so, that is so I, random. I know, I know. Um, I recall watching Adventures in Babysitting, and one of the little girls in it is, like, obsessed with Thor, and she has the Thor helmet, and I recall watching that, and I think I had seen, like, a or something in the library and I was like that's what the girl was into and when the movie came out I was like that's what the girl in Adventures in Babysitting was into and um yeah just being exposed like that was my first exposure to anything really Marvel related and I can't say that I really grew up in immersed in the Marvel like literature or anything like that I didn't really read comic books my brothers were kind of a little bit more into it but I really got into them with the release of the movies and for you, Sherilyn? I have been a Marvel gangster since I was four years old. I've been a fan of Marvel Comics since the um, X-Men animated series, Spider-Man animated series, so that was kind of my introduction to Marvel. Um, and I think, like for me, I've always liked Marvel and DC, but Marvel Comics really spoke to me personally, um, specifically X-Men, just because... X-Men really kind of parallels um, what goes, what's going on in the world. So um, just having people who are oppressed by it and just them kind of rising to that occasion of this is who we are. Uh, we are proud. We just want to live with you. Like, let us be. Um, that's kind of my beginnings of Marvel. And I feel like me just starting to cosplay and going to conventions just kind of made me like Marvel even more, I guess, uh, as well as the movies. So that's me. I know for me, my introduction to Marvel was actually my cousin had the X-Men video games. I used to love that. And like the X-Men cartoons ah. and just, I'm, I'm definitely a Batman fan, but you know, Marvel was just, there was just, to me, as much characters as there are in DC, Marvel, like you said, Charlene, just kind of spoke to me a little bit more than DC kind of really did. Growing up, my brothers loved the X-Men comic, I mean, the cartoons, and I loved watching it with them. Um, my husband's going to hate me for saying this, but I was always, like, super into Superman, and I loved Superman, and he's, like, uh, die-hard Batman fan. He doesn't think that anything else in the DC universe exists. Oh <laughs> Is Mark yeah. going to join us for the podcast? <laughs> I didn't invite him! No, I'm kidding. <laughs> he but can yeah, make a guest um, appearance if he wants to, I guess. Yeah, I'm, so I've always been fascinated by superheroes and people who have, like, extraordinary abilities. Like, if it has some sort of, like, fantastic, uh, element to it I'll watch it regardless if it's good or bad like I watched like the daredevils and I watched like <laughs> Ben Affleck the daredevil <laughs> anything that was a superhero related anything I was on board <laughs> so the year is 2008 we're in phase one Iron Man 2008 directed by John Favreau The Incredible Hulk 2008 which I just watched the other day and I have thoughts about it uh, Louis Leteriot, Iron Man 2, again, John Favreau, 
Captain America, The First Avenger, 2011, Joe Johnston, Thor, 2011, Kenneth Branagh. I don't know why I paused there. Kenneth Branagh's been around forever. The Avengers, 2012, Joss Whedon. Which Avengers movie did you see first in theaters? And what was the moment like for you when you first saw one of the movies in theaters? I know for me, the first one I saw in theaters was Captain America. I saw Iron Man 1, 2. My little cousins were into it, so we would watch them to babysit them. I put on Iron Man for them. Um, The Incredible Hulk, I literally watched on Tuesday, because I'd never seen it before, and I have thoughts about it. But the first one I did watch in theater was Captain America, the first Avenger. I saw it once with my cousins. And then I saw it another time on a date. And I didn't tell the date. Oh. Yeah. And I didn't tell the date that I had seen it because he's like, we're going to go to the movies. And, you know, I was just like, okay. He didn't tell me what movie. And I'm like, oh, we're going to go see. And I didn't tell him the whole time. Well, I haven't talked to him. (laughs) I don't remember his name. But I didn't tell him. (laughs) The experience for me watching it, because I wasn't so, like, hardcore into them as I had become later on and we'll talk about that it was fine (laughs) it was just like because I'm a movie goer and I love movies and to me it was like this is a good time I like movies I've watched Chris Evans grow up it's into this now he's like 30 or like 28 27 and uh it's fine it's good (laughs) but yeah uh I I like movies yeah, to me, I'm like, I'm on it, I'm like, you know, it sticks out to me, because, like, the first time I saw it, I'm like, cool. The second time, I was, like, more nervous, because I was on a date, but it was so right. Sherilyn, what about for you? What was the, uh, the first one you saw in theaters, and what was the moment like for you? So mine was Iron Man, and for me, Iron Man was always kind of like a B, sorry, a B-list character, so I was like, okay, this should be... I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. Right, and I, yeah, and then I was like, oh my gosh, like this is actually really good. I was very surprised. I really enjoyed it. And I honestly was not expecting that. I thought, so I guess for me, because this was, this was Marvel Studios, right? Like the first movie. So for me thinking that, oh, this is going to be like meh, just based on the Fox movies, the Sony, Sony movies. Yeah. Spider-Man is Sony, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, like, if they came out before, which they did. So I was like, eh, we'll see. But it was was really good. I'm very happy that they kicked off the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I often wonder if Iron Man failed, if they would, like, were they still going to do? Yeah. Yeah. And Jasmine, what about for you? I think the first one I saw in theaters was the original Avengers movie. <laughs> Did we see it together, Jasmine? I think we may have. I, I think so. I think I had the seen whole like, all of them like, at home. Like, I watched them at home. Um, I never really paid to watch any of the ones prior to that in theaters. But I think just like the, I guess just how big it was that all of them were together in one film. And the fact that it was Joss Whedon, big fan of his at the time. At the time. After watching, like, the Avengers, like, I was obsessed. Like, I had also, I'd seen them in the past, like, and, and, you know. And then I rewatched like, Iron Man 2 for Scarlett Johansson. And then I, like, rewatched a couple other things for, um, 
more like in-depth character um, after that, after being introduced to all of them together. What were you surprised about in this first phase? I guess for me, <laughs> this is going to sound real shallow, I really enjoyed Chris Evans as Captain America. And I'm very, and he's spoke about this before in interviews. And it's not like a vanity thing of why I'm, I'm ha- like pleased with him as Captain America. It's more of a, the reason he did it and he's again spoke about this is because he had such great anxiety about the role and like how his life was going to change so much because of Captain America. And it was his fear that, like, made him do it. And he also, you know, was kind of sort of mentored by RDJ, Robert Downey Jr., because Iron Man had done it. And, you know, they have the same agent, as he's said, and they kind of had this talk about it. And I'm just glad that he did it. I was surprised that he did it, because I didn't, I honestly never kept keep up with who is taking on a role for a movie. Like, I didn't know Chris Evans, I didn't know Scarlett Johansson, I didn't know, like, any of them really, like, Mark Ruffalo or whatever, because I didn't watch, like, Incredible Hulk with Edward Norton to begin with from the start. So when I saw Mark Ruffalo as Incredible Hulk, and I love him from, like, 13 going on 30, and he's just an adorable New Yorker that in person I kind of love. I was just very, like, pleased with the casting. And, um... What surprised me about Chris Evans specifically is that he, this is his second now go around with the Marvel Cinematic Universe in terms of he was the human torch in Uh. Fantastic Four. I watched it the other day as like a guilty pleasure and I was like, you know, this isn't age well, but it's okay. It's fine. And like, you know. I loved it at the time. (laughs) Did you see Jessica Alba's awful wig? I'm sorry. Awful. I just, as I mentioned before, I appreciated anything with, like, a superhero twist. Like, regardless of its quality, I was just like, yes, I'm here for this. I love that. <laughs> That's okay, Jasmine, because we both loved, we both really loved Spider-Man 3 when you saw it in theaters. It was very, it's very entertaining. It's so bad. But I like it. I love it. Because it's awful. <laughs> It also introduced me to Chris Hemsworth, and, you know, (laughs) I am not like, yes, of course, Chris Hemsworth, beast of a man, you're looking at his looks, but you watch his other stuff, and he's actually, he's good, especially in his comedic roles these days. He's just awfully funny, but to me, yeah, that was what surprised me, was, you know, these... I guess in general, these names that you've heard around the streets for so many years for us, and that time it was 20 years, and then they're in this big, giant mammoth of a phenomenon, and that's kind of what surprised me, is that they took it on, and they did so well with it that they continued with it. Jasmine, what was it about, what were you surprised about in this phase? Um, I was surprised at how, like, I guess how far ahead they were thinking, being like, you know, we're going to introduce all of these characters for, like, a major crossover, and it kind of, I guess, unlocked, like, people are trying to replicate it, right? Trying to have their own, like, cinematic universe. And it's the first that I can think of that was able to do so successfully on such a huge scale. And I was really surprised at, like, the Avengers being what it was, and 
making me go back and watch these other films and looking forward to like the next crossover. Like we had seen like crossovers like on Disney and on TV and things like that, but nothing on this like grandiose scale. That's what surprised me. Sherlyn, for you, what surprised you about this first phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe? I think for me, similar to what Jasmine said, um, having a crossover event. So when I think of crossover events, like we we actually did have that in like the animated shows where there were no borders, there were no different distribution movie distribute. Is it called movie distributors? Whatever. Yeah. We had super, we had Spider Man, we had X Men crossovers, we had Fantastic Four, like all of those crossovers, and I was like, finally we're seeing that on screen. But I think for me, what actually surprised me was that they were they were going that route of doing the Avengers, just with the post credit scenes, and now we're inundated with those post credit scenes. Be like, at the very end, you have to sit and watch all of the credits, and everyone that gets up, I judge them. I'm like, where are you going? Don't yeah. you understand? But um, I think I think when I first got surprised was seeing, I think it, it was Iron Man 2, because I didn't actually see Incredible Hulk until like a few years ago. Um, but it was at the end of Iron Man 2 with the Thor scene. And I was like, Melnior? Are they doing Thor? And then you see Thor, and in the Thor movie, you see Hawkeye. And at first I was like, is that Hawkeye? He didn't really do anything. Like, I didn't know Jeremy Renner at the time. Right. And then I was like, confirmed, it is Hawkeye. And, but yeah. Yeah. That was kind of my, um, my thing. So stay at the end of the, uh, Marvel movies, guys. Don't mm-hmm. friggin' leave. I will judge you. <laughs> Hardcore. So before we continue, I kind of just wanted to get into some stats because I watch all of, I watch them in phases. That's how I did them when prepping for this episode. So in total, we have 26 films, I want to say, 23, 26, and it took me maybe three weeks to watch them. Sometimes I watched two a day. I don't recommend. That's that's a lot for me. I just found that I discovered something new every time I watched all of them, and there's some that I've, that I've seen multiple, multiple times, and I just discovered, like, this is fun. We get our first uh, Infinity Stone sort of Easter egg type of thing in Captain America with the Tesseract. If you could pick your Infinity Stone, which would it be? So for the listeners, there are six Infinity Stones. I had to write this down multiple times because I kept forgetting them. (laughs) Sherlyn has all six. She's going to snap her fingers and then just get rid of all of us. Uh, Yes. (laughs) There's the Time Stone, the Space Stone, the Mind Stone, the Power Stone, Soul Stone, and Reality Stone. If you could choose your stone, which would it be, Sherilyn? Time Stone. Time Stone. 100%. Yeah. I would use the shit out of that. Do you know how many times I've messed up and I'm like, wow, I made a fool of myself. Let's go back in time just to reverse that and see. And I don't care if I'm breaking any rules, Dr. Strange. (laughs) And that's it. (laughs) literally it. <laughs> Jasmine, what about you? I don't know. I was just looking at them right here because I was like, oh, that's a good question. You know? um, I, like, being, like, somebody who, like, I'm a teacher and all that stuff, like, part of me is like, ooh, the mind stone, but also, you know, like, the space stone seems really interesting and I think that um, I'm kind of leaning towards the space stone myself because of, like, yeah, 
I'm sorry, that, that was kind of a bad answer. No! Do you want to use, do you want to use the space stone to throw a planet at someone? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that sounds incredible. I've always been like, anytime that somebody asks me if I could have a superpower, be like, oh, you wouldn't fly, you wouldn't do all that. No, I would like to move things with my mind. Like, that's like the power that I would want. I know for me, I would like the Mind Stone only because of what we know. <laughs> and this is gonna, this is gonna be major spoilers. So if you've made it this far and you haven't watched the entire 10 years of your life go by in movies and then you haven't made it to phase three slash four, please stop listening. Stop listening now. Stop listening. Spoilers. <laughs> spoilers are coming. Only because of what I know that they used it for. So, like, you know, vision. If you're in phase three, four, you got Wanda's powers, you know, the Quicksilver's powers. Just, they, they, so, they, like, took the time. Scientists took the time to do terrible experiments on these people. But they are so, like, Wanda slash, you know, the Scarlet Witch is the most powerful one out of all of them. And I, and, and like, a total badass. And I personally would love that power. You had a, I'm sorry. You had a point. I think that they actually did retcon that. She had her, she already had her powers. So it seems like based on the MCU, the stone just enhanced it mm-hmm. or like, I don't know, brought it out, but she already had her powers. So that's great for mutants. I'm still waiting on my mutants to come. <laughs> I have thoughts as well, but anyway, sorry. <laughs> So yeah, for me, it would be the Mind Stone. I could get totally behind that one. Charlene, what was your, your favorite film of this phase, phase one? So, as I thought back on which movie was my favorite, like, in the moment of, like, years and years ago, it was Avengers. And I think I was a little more biased back then, because I was like, oh, this is, this is my boy, Joss Whedon, back in the day. When we liked Joss Whedon, yes. he had done Buffy, Angel, all those things, and then just seeing, seeing how he did, he did a really good job with the Avengers movie. Like I don't think anyone can deny that. Um, just bringing all of those characters together and just seeing, for me, I just I like seeing team ups, like actual team ups of the characters. So that scene where it's like it's like a one shot take of all the different characters doing their thing at the end. I was like, this is what I, this is, take my money, Marvel, just take it. Like, it was such, that's still one of my favorite scenes. Also the, like, what is it, 360 shot of all of them together. Yeah, in front of Grand Central Station. Yeah. Yeah. However, I do want to point out one thing, because I did not know, okay, so the scene with Loki and Black Widow, when he's, like, taunting her, do you know he calls her a queef? A a queen. Not a queef, uh, Quim. Quim. Do you know what a quim is? Sorry. Just... <laughs> <laughs> Y'all, do, do you guys know what a quim is? Yeah, same body part, but good. You know what a queef is? <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> the queef comes from the body part. <laughs> yeah, but I was like, I had no idea what that meant when I was rewatching. I want to shout out the Bacchanal podcast for yeah. like, bringing that to my attention because I was like, the hell's a quim? I was like, wow, that's offensive. <laughs> yeah, real <laughs> offensive. And then they put it in there. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, this I is Loki. You. I don't know what that means. What does that mean? I, did I miss something? 
So for anybody who has children listening at this point of the podcast, please block their ears. Um, it's fine. <laughs> it's okay. I looked up Jasmine. I was like, "What the hell's a quim?" It is the vulgar slang uh, term, variously meaning vagina, vulva, woman as a sexual object, or a contemptible person. So yeah. now you can use it in a sentence. I called someone that because they won't know what the hell it means. And Jasmine, what was the, your favorite film of this first phase? I think I have to agree with Sherilyn. I think it was The Avengers because, um, because of what it was at the time of like all the everything that they've been working up to up until that point all the crossovers like four years of building up to that moment found it being so like huge I guess you know like it was such a big deal that this was happening and being there in the theaters it was just like my eyes were so wide and I think Sherilyn you and I were like <laughs> like smacking each other I like pulled Chris's hair I think I, I think I pulled Chris's hair I think that was the movie at the end where I was like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> and maybe not like well versed in Marvel I guess to the extent that Cheryl Ann was like at the these little teasers at the end of all of these movies she's like oh my god do you know what this means and I'm like I think so baby god he's so exciting yeah, it was fun to experience it, like, you know, like, being, like, fresh eyes, and then you, you, with all your infinite wisdom about the topic, and, yeah. And I get so excited to teach you guys. I'm like, yeah. oh my god, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what that is? Man, here. I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> oh god. Can I just say that Kat Dennings, mm-hmm. I could not stand her in any of the Thor movies. WandaVision made me like her. For whatever reason, she was less annoying. Like, I really liked her character, so... Shout out to Kat Dennings. <laughs> I love Kat Dennings. So. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, and Natalie Portman. Oh, my God. I do not like her. I do not. I don't. I don't like her. I don't. <laughs> but she's coming back, though. I she know she's coming like back. More than Natalie Portman in those films. <laughs> me too. <laughs> For me, it was Iron Man. Only because it was sort of a bonding experience between me and my little cousins. Like, and when I would babysit them, and it was like, I maybe watched in that time frame Iron Man more so than I watched any other one in Phase 1. And it just reminds me of babysitting my cousins and having this thing that we bond over. And now that same cousin is you know, 15 years old and texting me about Falcon and Winter Soldier. And it's this continuous bond that we have between him and then my my cousin, which is his uncle. And it's just, for me, this whole, like, phase just started this thing of this is what we bond over. No matter what our other interests are, like, you know, we're all into different things. And the reason, another reason I wanted to do this episode is because of that, that, yeah, I love hip-hop, I love R&B, I love, you know, music and cooking and dancing, but I also love comics, and that's what a lot of people, you know, don't necessarily think about women in comics, and it's just such, like, an untapped thing, because we're here, we're in it, we are down with the fandom, I'm not necessarily down with the big crowds that are always around the expos, but, you know, we're here and we support because it brings out this childhood wonderment and this excitement and inspiration, really, at any age to just geek out. Having a 
you mentioned the other day, Halima, that the Marvel Cinematic Universe up until this time was our 20s. Yeah. It was our 20s. <laughs> it was our oh. entire 20s. 20, Wait. 2008, we were in eight. 2008, we were uh, 19. By the time it I, ended in 2019, we celebrated our 30th year. We had all turned 30. You're, By the time Endgame came out on April 26, 2019, the three of us had already turned 30. What a special time. And you know why I say that? Because I was like, I just want to... It's like, I just want to live to see Endgame. And then after that, all bets are off. <laughs> I hit my 30... I got to see it. I just wanted to see the end of it. And well, it's so now I want to keep living to see the end. <laughs> but like, well, I mean, I, you know? June 9th, by the time this episode airs, we would probably be maybe three, four episodes into Loki, so it's coming. Oh, it's, right. Yeah. It's, we're going we're gonna to be time traveling. This is literally a time travel podcast. Absolutely. This will come out in the future, and I hope they fix that goddamn timeline. <laughs> I got thoughts on Endgame. We'll get there. Good we will get there. We're in phase two now. Sorry, Iron Man 3, 2013, Shane Black. Thor Dark World, 2013, Alan Taylor. Captain America, Winter Soldier, 2014, The Russo Brothers. Yes, my boys, my community boys. <laughs> Anthony and Joe Russo. Guardians of the Galaxy, 2014, James Gunn. Avengers, Age of Ultron, 2015, um, Joss Whedon is back again, but for his last time. Ant-Man 2015, Peyton Reed, and I didn't know this, adorable Paul Rudd, who never ages, wrote the screenplay. What surprised you about Phase 2? For me, it's less of what surprised me, more of what I was like, yes, this is what I'm here for. And I wrote maybe my thesis statement on Captain America Winter Soldier. Um... To me, this was the movie where Cap found its swag, where I think the MCU found its swag, and in very much large part to the Russo brothers as to why um, Infinity War and Endgame were such big phenomenons and big deals. It's everything about Winter Soldier. It's, you know, him... They bring this up, I saw in an interview, it's him jumping out of the plane without a parachute this time around because he's just that much more confident. It's him rocking the Dark Navy suit because he doesn't need that flashiness, right? It's him speaking French. <laughs> it's like, you know, and it's him doing parkour. It's the relationship of found of, you know, Winter Soldier, Bucky, that I personally, because I didn't read the comics... I had no fucking idea that, that was Bucky. I had oh, no idea. Yeah, I had no idea that that was James Buchanan Barnes. I was like, so then, like, I had the feeling, so in the scene where, you know, Robert Redford also, like, he's in the kitchen and Winter Soldier's there. His housekeeper comes in and she, he's, like, pretty much all, like, damn, I gotta kill you now. You can kind of see his shadow, but I didn't put it together because I was just, like, immersed into the story and then when Steve rips off uh Winter Soldier's mask and you see that it was Bucky and I was like holy shit I knew it the whole time but like I to me it was definitely a pleasant pleasant surprise and um again set the mood for what I expected going forward into the MCU and I didn't really I didn't really care <laughs> 
honestly, like, if this was the last movie and everything tanked, I'm good on the last movie, and this is it, and this is my last movie. And again, it has largely in part to do with Anthony and Joe Russo. So if ever in your lifetime you listen to this podcast, if it finds its way to your desks, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. And I implore you, and we all want jobs with you. We don't care how old we are by that point, but we all want jobs with you. <laughs> uh, I'm still waiting on that community movie. So six seasons in a movie, for those that understand that reference. <laughs> Forever waiting. <laughs> thank you yeah. I think what surprised me I think was just like um, how kind of like a bit of a weak start it started with because like Iron Man 3 it was fine Thor Dark World don't remember it I slept um, <laughs> yeah I, um, yeah and it really picked up Come Winter Soldier and I think every single movie after that point like I was very enthusiastic um, like I, I was like Guardians of the Galaxy. Don't know what that is. Don't care. I'm gonna watch it. You know, like <laughs> um, Ant All right, we're doing like little bugs. All right, let's do this. You know. <laughs> and yeah, I think after Winter Soldier, like as you said, the momentum kind of took off from there. Like I was like really enthusiastic about anything that was coming down the line about a potential second Avengers like crossover because you know they're introducing more and more characters. And, yeah, um, I would agree that that's when it kind of took off. And, Shalom, for you, what surprised you about Phase 2? That Guardians of the Galaxy is one of the best MCU movies. That it was better than Age of Ultron. That, to me, is crazy. Because I do recall, I had a conversation with Chris. Shout out to Chris. You better watch. You better listen to this. Um, I remember seeing the trailer, and I was like, what? why are they doing this? This is going to be awful. That was my mentality when I when I watched tra- the trailer. And then watching it in theaters, I was like, this is really good. <laughs> I am shocked. I was shooketh, as the the youth say. I, I'm still... It's such... It's one of the most rewatchable movies. And I think anyone who has not seen any of the Marvel movies should watch that one. Because it will get you, it will get you into watching these movies because it was so different. It was so like weird and out there and so different. So shout out to James Gunn for taking a risk and having his vision on screen because we got the weirdness and that's what I wanted. I want that weird crap in my Marvel <laughs> movies. I was tired of the grounded, everything being so grounded, and we already had space because of Avengers. So. And Great. I think it, it had a, a, a humor to it that I think kind of picked up on, like, further movies as well. Mm-hmm. I have thoughts on some of that humor <laughs> in Phase 3. I'll talk about it. <laughs> and speaking of Guardians of the Galaxy, I have this theory with Jasmine that I have to put in there. Um, one, Rocket might just be the smartest space raccoon in the whole entire galaxy. I just think he's, like, the smartest person in the room, let's say. Two, I also think he's building a human, because in Guardians of the Galaxy... <laughs> what? Oh, the Right! Because in Guardians of the Galaxy, he, uh, he wanted that inmate's leg. He had an eye for Thor in Infinity War when he lost his eye. And he wanted Bucky's arm, his new arm that he got from Wakanda. 
So I have a straight theory that Rocket is looking to just build a human or build a cyborg. I think he's just fucked up, and he likes really weird shit. That too. I mean, he held on to that eye for a very long time. That's true. (laughs) So that's my working theory. Um, uh, You know, the Russo brothers or James Gunn, if we want to workshop this idea, I'm totally down to suggestion. He's building a new Ultron. (laughs) Okay. We're seeing it right now. Yeah. So this phase... Gave me movies I could do without, such as Thor The Dark World. Uh, what moment or movie could you do without throughout the whole cinematic experience? I have a whole damn list. Let me yes. name them. That party scene in Iron Man 2 was garbage. It did not portray women in a good light. They were all awful. The romance between Hulk and Black Widow wasn't necessary was not necessary, and they they acknowledged it in Infinity War, but I, that was it, and I was like, yeah, I guess acknowledge it and move on. There you go. The romance between Thor and Natalie, I was going to say Natalie Portman, what's her name? <laughs> Jane Foster. <laughs> Jane Foster! Sorry, I really don't like Natalie Portman. <laughs> but um, I just, I honestly feel like their romance really dragged the movies down, and you could totally see that in Thor Ragnarok. You remove that romance, you get a good storyline. I do not want that storyline back in Thor Love and Thunder. Um, the weird humor of the blip in Spider-Man. I, okay, I already did not like it. I was like, oh, they're making a joke of people dying and then coming back. Like, ha ha ha. And then when you watch, when you, when you do watch, um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, uh, WandaVision, like, they go in depth on, um, the actual effects of what happened, and it's not all fun and games. Like people lost their homes, people were coming back, like wars were starting. So I thought the humor was not necessary. Sorry. Um, Nick Fury's eye being scratched out by little Goosey. Let me tell you something. In Winter Soldier, he said his eye. What, what did you say? He lost an eye because the last someone time I trusted trust? someone. Yeah. yeah. The last time I trusted someone, I lost an eye. It, it, it doesn't make any sense. I'm sorry. And I love Goose. He's so cute. Um, Korg making a, a joke right after Asgard is destroyed. So this is the humor that I don't like. When they have um, like a buildup of like something awful just happened, like it's not necessary to make jokes. Like be in the moment, you know? Like some of the Marvel humor, humor and quips I don't like for those kinds of scenes. Um, big skinned Thor. Again, I did not like that. Sorry, I feel like I'm shouting. It's okay. <laughs> I'm so angry. But in, in Endgame, they made a joke about Thor's weight, mm-hmm. and it just felt like it was fat shaming. It really was. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he, he was depressed. They made a joke about just this weight, and I'm like, you could have done this in a different way. Like, maybe make, I don't know, maybe make, no, no jokes. I, I just didn't like it, and I feel like um, with his character development, he was upset at the beginning of Endgame. He was very upset. You could see it. He thought it was his fault. He lost all his people. He lost his brother. He lost his his father, his mother, like everything. And now we're making jokes like, no, that's not what I wanted to see. Last but not least, I'm sure there's more, that pandering female scene in Endgame. I did not like it. How did they all get together? 
How did they plan it? What was Mantis going to do? It was, it was not, I, I get what they were trying to do. Like, if they're trying to set up the A-team, which for those that don't, you know, that don't know, it's like, um, essentially it's like the female Avengers. I don't think it was done in a really, it wasn't done in a good way. I'm sorry. If you want to see a good female team up, watch the boys. That's all I'm going to say about that. I was literally talking to somebody yesterday or the day before about the pandering of that, like, that scene right there. Because, like, Mm -hmm. okay, the one in Infinity War, you know, like, there was three or four of them. Okay, you know, I get it. But, like, the fact that, like, all the females just started, like, coming down to protect Peter and, like, he was kind of, like... Poor Peter! (laughs) But, yeah, I was just, like, this is, like... Like, it took me out of the scene. I was yeah. just like, well, what? Okay, no. No, I don't. Like, that was unnecessary, you know? Right. I, I didn't. Yeah, it felt like it was, it was a bit much. Thank you. For me, uh, the movie I could definitely have done without was The Incredible Hulk. I was watching it on <laughs> Tuesday when I was, I was, <laughs> I video messaged uh, the gr- the ladies, and I was like, I'm watching the end of this movie. What the fuck is the, what, abominable anomaly, whatever it was called. And I was just like, what is the point of this? I don't understand. What happened to the other guy in, in the lab who was like, I can cure you, but then Hulk's blood dropped on him and then he started, his like skin started to evolve into something else and then you just forget about him. And I was like, what? What is this movie? And then you expect me to believe that Edward Norton fucked off to Calcutta, became Mark Ruffalo, and is all of a sudden in the <laughs> Avengers. I was just like, he changed, he changed human form. <laughs> he changes like, human form, and I was just like, what he is? Professor Hulk. So like, why not be? Not oh my god. Too. That wasn't good either. I'm sorry. <laughs> you believe it? I'll talk about that after. <laughs> and Thor: Dark World. I'm sorry. What? That was pretty much. That was like, like my list. And that was my comprehensive list. It was just that movie, really. <laughs> yeah. Thor: Dark World was just a whole big what? Like what? Like you? What is happening? What are you doing? And I, I was just like. For it. <laughs> you were what? I was really excited for it because I really enjoyed the first one. Like, Me too. I, yeah. I love Kenneth Branagh. I really enjoyed the first one. I did not care for his, like, big blondness, but besides, but besides the point. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> but, yeah, so when the second one was coming out, I'm like, oh, yeah, let's let's do this. I'm really excited because, you know, like, I've always been really into mythology mm. and, um, Thor was one of the ones that I knew about before the MCU came out, and I was just like, yeah, and then I watched it, and I, I don't remember a thing about it. I didn't even rewatch it for this. You didn't? Jasmine, you know what? I ran out of time. I apologize. No, I will say that the scene, um, like, I, I like um, Renee Russo. She did a phenomenal job oh, as yeah. Thor's mother, and the scene... Like, her funeral scene was beautiful, mm-hmm. and the music is, that is great. I so, cried I when I watched watch, it. It's so beautiful, and if you watch um, Thor Ragnarok, at least you, they get that little play at the beginning. I'm like, oh yeah, this happened. <laughs> See, that's pretty much all you have to watch, like, honestly. <laughs> I think I rewatched it, like, a year, a year and a half ago, but um, 
unfortunately, I did not. I did not have enough time to <laughs> watch that one. But yeah, I, it was kind of near the bottom of the list for the rewatch. <laughs> <laughs> Two movies I fall asleep through all the time are Thor: The Dark World. And I'm sorry, Halima, Captain America, the first Avenger. Fine, I, I, I this, have this, not like, gone through it. But content, it had a lot of, like, things that needed to be, like, it was kind of like a setup movie. Yeah. So, Wait, I, which one? Uh, uh, Captain America. America. First oh, Avenger. Okay. I was watching it um, recently, and Mark walks in, and he's like, oh, you're watching Captain America? He's like, I didn't really like that movie the first time. I'm like, you know what, I didn't really like the first time either. But now being later in the cinematic universe, like, you're able to, it has a lot more context, I guess, and there's, like, a lot more that you're understanding. Because, like, the first time you watch it, you're like, okay, all right, you know? (laughs) Okay, cool. (laughs) And that's pretty much it, is just setting it up, right? I think for me, I realized that I, I really don't like war movies. I just don't like them. I don't like them. And mm-hmm. I think that's kind of how I kind of viewed this movie. So. Yeah. I grew up with war movies. Like, that was just how I was raised. <laughs> <laughs> with war movies. Jasmine's just inundated with war movies. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing that I found hilarious before we move on about the Hulk, and I know, Sherline, you wanted to bring up Professor <laughs> Hulk, but the CGI in Incredible Hulk, and then, and then they had the... Mark Ruffalo's Hulk. And I was like, that's like a totally different green. This one is lime green. Incredible Hulk is lime green. And, you know, Mark Ruffalo's Hulk is just this, like, nice sort of light, pale green that you can get behind. And and it was just like, these are, and I'm glad that they did it that way, honestly. Let's just, because you needed to know that they were two separate sort of hulks if you're going into this now they're two different actors they're bringing two different perspectives to the character of bruce banner so you have something about professor um professor hulk oh when you're first introduced to him as like a combined bruce banner hulk i'm like I, did you guys feel like when you were watching it that it was a deleted scene? Because it, I felt like it went on a little bit too long with his, like, jokes and his dabbing. And then I was like, why? In Endgame? Also, yeah. Yeah, in Endgame. Like, when, when uh, Ant-Man, Captain America, and Black Widow are in that diner just talking with him, those kids come up for, like, pictures. And yeah. I was like, this seems like it should have been deleted. <laughs> like, in all yes. honesty. Like, are you, like, the director's kids or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. They were... <laughs> They were. Yeah, I think, yeah, it just seemed like, I didn't really care for it. I was just like, all right, this is, like, it, it did feel a little, like, it shouldn't have been there, I guess. Like, yeah, like, it was weird. But also, I do feel like I kind of wanted Hulk to get redemption for when he fought Thanos. We didn't get a Thanos versus Hulk scene again because, and it's funny because Wanda got her, Wanda got her part. Yeah. So I was I was hoping that we would see that Hulk versus Thanos again, where he's like, okay, uh, I've been training. Well, maybe, I don't know if he's been training, but, like, you know, he's ready. He's ready for him now, like, to take him on. We're in the Infinity War. He got his ass beat. Yeah. And he was so upset. Hulk was so upset. He didn't come out for the whole movie. So we're into phase three now. Captain America's Civil War, 2016, the Russo brothers. Doctor Strange, 2016, Scott Derrickson. 
Guardians of the Galaxy 2, 2017, James Gunn. Spider-Man Homecoming, 2017, John Watts. Thor Ragnarok, 2017, Taika Waititi. Black Panther, 2018, Ryan Coogler. Avengers Infinity War, 2018, Russo Brothers. Ant-Man and the Wasp, 2018, Peyton Reed. Captain Marvel, 2019, Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck. Avengers Endgame, 2019, Russo Brothers. Spider-Man Far From Home, 2019, John Watts. By the time we make it to 2019, as we've said earlier, we've now passed our 30th birthdays. Hey! And we actually got to celebrate our birthday. Yes. Yeah, that sounds really awful. (laughs) And which is very timely by the time Spider-Man Far From Home comes in, because I think for that generation, specifically our generation, and now we closed a big chapter. Not only did we close our 20s, but we closed something that we grew up with and were excited about and, like, loved and we still love as to why we're doing this episode and just new things that you discover and new things you can laugh about and dog out because it's just it's just funny (laughs) so captain america civil war we get a separation of sides cap says goodbye to the shield really tony says my father made that for you you didn't deserve it they have a falling out I, with this movie, I was like, I understand they're falling out. I understand both sides. Both sides were done. And the nice thing I loved about Civil War, they did both sides really well. Like, you saw both sides. I had, like, such a struggle to be like, am I Team Cap? Am I Team Iron Man? Like, I had, like, such an internal struggle. Um, So, yeah, Cap is like, you're right. Your father made this shield for me. You say I don't deserve it. Maybe I don't deserve it. He leaves and he goes on this sort of soul-searching sort of expedition for a couple of years till we see them again in Infinity War. But we also get a fresh take on Spider-Man, which I loved. My boy! My boyfriend! (laughs) I loved this um this take on spider-man i it again is refresh it's brand new it's as what spider-man was intended to be this kid from queens who is witty quippy he's got some swag he's like doesn't take bullshit because he's a kid from new york like what else would you do he just wants to chill with his friends i loved this spider-man so we grew up with toby Maguire. we grew up with andrew garfield i know Sorry, we won't I talk. Have, I have thoughts, but continue. <laughs> you know, and you know those are great, but I loved this Spider-Man um, Homecoming. I didn't expect to love it because I I like Spider-Man. I'm not a huge fan of it, him specifically, but Tom Holland as Spider-Man made me a fan. He made me a fan of Spider-Man, and I think what's even sweeter is that I saw the Spider-Man in New York. I didn't see it. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't see it in Edmonton. I was, uh, I was in Queens. My cousin and I went to, we went to Shake Shack and, uh, we got some cheese fries, which I love getting. And, um, I was like, I want to see a movie. So we went to go see Spider-Man, uh, in Queens. So it was good. I enjoyed it. I loved the fact that Michael Keaton was a bad guy. Because, you know, we spoke about it earlier from Batman. 
because to me, he's my Batman, right? And Birdman. Yes, and Birdman. And to me, he's like, he's just classic. He's just one of those classic people that you're like, this is my Batman. This is my Birdman. This is like... And to see him in a Marvel Cinematic Universe was just, like, even sweeter. And that's not even the first crossover that Marvel has had, right? Like, we've had, um, by this time in the, sh- in the phase, we've already had uh, Lawrence Fishburne, who was also in, in uh, Superman. It's just really great. Like, I can't say anything bad about Spider-Man. So, sweet young Tom Holland... You were doing your thing. You just turned, I think, 25. I don't know how old you are now. Oh, yeah, his birthday was just, was yesterday or the day before. Yeah, yeah. June Happy 1st. birthday, Tom Holland. Happy birthday! <laughs> <laughs> so, sweet young Tom Holland. I know that Anthony Mackie and Sexy Seabass give you a very hard time, but I... <laughs> I love those videos of <laughs> them ragging on him. I'm just like, they're like the big brothers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was the movie, I think, for me, that's just like... Let's do something fun. Let's do a quick restart and let's take on this role and make it what fans know Spider-Man to be. And especially after coming, um, so this movie falls right after Civil War, which is very interesting because Peter is struggling with like, he wants to do more. He wants to be a grown up, but does he know exactly what that means? To me, why Tony and Peter were so close. It reminded me of Tony and Steve. Because like Peter, Steve is very much for the underdog. He says this great line, and I'm just going to find it. I've often thought, what if... Because I rewatched Civil War, and I was like, what if instead of Tony mentoring Spider-Man, it was Captain America? How would that have turned out? Because hmm. I'm like, they're both from... Both New York boys. Yeah. I feel like they have a lot in common, and I thought, yeah, that would be an interesting what if Spider-Man gets some shield of spider. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to Tom Holland as Spider-Man, I thought he did a great job. Because I feel like, so Spider-Man and X-Men are my, they're my top kind of Marvel peeps. So with Spider-Man, I've always felt like there are two different characters. There's Peter Parker. And there's Spider-Man. So I feel like Tobey Maguire, like, I can't stand those movies. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't like any of them other than Spider-Man 3, and that's because it's bad. Um, but I thought Tobey Maguire was a good Peter Parker. Like, he's got that kind of nerdy thing down, but he wasn't a good Spider-Man. Like, his quips were like, you're like a loser. I'm sorry. It was, it was bad. Andrew Garfield, and I actually really enjoy those movies. Like, they get a bad rap, but I really like them. Andrew Garfield was a good Spider-Man, but it wasn't a good Peter Parker. Like, I did not buy that he was, like, yeah. a nerd. He was too cool, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Tom Holland was a good... He's a good Spider-Man, and he's a good Peter Parker. Like, mm-hmm. And he's of the age that Spider-Man should be when he's first introduced. And I thought that worked out really well, so... Also, did you find your quote? Yeah, I did. Did you find, Halima, though, that the representation in Spider-Man Homecoming, like, just in all the different characters, like, when you're first introduced in the school, like, you see characters of different races, like, religions, like, all in there. I'm like, did you not feel that that was New York? Yeah, I loved the fact that when Peter was in, I think it was chemistry class, and he's, like, working on his web solution, there was a... 
girl there wearing a hijab. And I, like, that scene sticks out to me because as a Muslim woman, I had, like, never, in in that universe, had never seen something like that. And especially the way that they, I think it's so, that movie is special to me because, I again, I saw it in New York. It represents New York. It represents this, like, multicultural life that that is what it's supposed to be and I think that so for one of the birthdays if we're speaking Spider-Man I watched Spider-Man into the universe Jasmine suggested it and I loved it I loved it because Afro-Latin community in New York different people different things right even I love the fact that in Spider-Man Homecoming they you know, they fit in that he goes to Del Mar's and he, you know, speaks Spanish to um, Mr. Del Mar, who the actor, Hemke, plays Pote in Queen of the South, which I love. I love this actor so much and I was so happy to see him. Um, but that's what I love about it. I love that Spider-Man was just so inclusive and, you know, from his best friend to both his love interests, right? And um, it's just so great. So, yeah, the quote that I found was as to why I think, you know, Tony is drawn to Peter as he probably would be to Steve is um, the quote where Peter is in the room and Tony's recruit had recruited him for Civil War. It's when um, he's like, when you can do the things I can, but you don't, and then the bad things happen, they happen because of you. And the reason that that when I was rewatching Civil War and that stood out to me, it's because that's the same sort of thing that Steve stood for. You know, it's the little guy that's like, well, I'm going to keep fighting because if I don't keep fighting, it's just going to get worse. And if I can do something about it, I'm going to try. Because if I do, if I don't, then who will? And I think that's why he was chosen. Because that's like, he was his character that like stood out to them. They're like, who is this puny runs? You know, like this is the guy you're choosing. Why? You know, and it kind of they kind of revisit that in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. But yeah, that's exactly like it's their core beliefs in both of those characters. And that's why I so I have here in front of me. It's like from Time Magazine. It's their special edition of the story of Marvel. And I was reading a bit about it before I was prepping for this episode and. Just what stood out to me again was what Stanley and uh, Jack Kirby, what they did is, you know, we are the little guys because what they started with was a lot of no's, a lot of rejection, a lot of like jumping from Marvel to DC or jumping from independent to Marvel, right? And not giving up on what they believed in and creating this sort of platform for everybody to enjoy. And I think that that's why a lot of these movies sort of resonate with a lot of, resonate with a lot of us is because of that. And they, they did such a great job of building that into the cinematic universe. So end of rant. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, I found Spider-Man very refreshing and as intended to be, what was refreshing about the third phase for both of you? Wait, I have one more thing about oh, Spider-Man. Yes. We cannot forget my boy, Donald Glover, yes. was in Spider-Man Homecoming. And I just wanted to say this because there was so many, there was like a campaign for him to be Spider-Man, like, years ago. 
And I would have loved to have seen it. I love Donald Glover. I love him as Childish Childish, childish Gambino. Yeah. His music is dope. Go and listen to him. Um, but the fact that he was Aaron, um, so Miles, he's Miles Morales' um, uncle in the movie. And I thought that was a great callback to him, you know, people campaigning for him to be Spider-Man, that he would be the Prowler, like, or I guess pre-Prowler. Yeah. So I thought that was great. Uh, given that this refresh, that we have this refreshing take and this restart, what was refreshing to you about the third phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe? So I think for me, with just in us doing this kind of retrospective of the movies themselves, you can see not only the growth of the films themselves, but the actual characters. You see growth in everyone. Everyone gets character development. Um, we're finally introduced to characters that I didn't think that we were going to see Black Panther. I didn't think we were finally going to get Spider-Man. Like, for years, I was like... It would be great to have Spider-Man in this universe, especially in Civil War. Like, leading up to that, it was like, are we going to get Spider-Man? Yes or no? And the fact that we got him, and he just fits so well into the universe. Um, the fact that we got Black Panther. We'll talk more about that in the next question of what that means to me. Oh, God. Can I just say, I, I'm sorry, I don't... So this is... I don't know if it's personal for me, but I have never liked the character of Carol Danvers. I I just don't... I, I feel like she doesn't really have a personality. I don't really connect to this character. The only thing that I liked was her powers. But I will say, when they introduce my X-Men, I want Rogue to take Captain Marvel's powers and put her ass in a coma, just like in the comics. Do you understand? <laughs> <laughs> That's how Rogue got her powers, essentially. For those that didn't know. And Jasmine, what about you? What was refreshing to you about this third phase? Um, I, as Charlene mentioned, I just love the introduction of all of these new characters and how they play a part in this, like, this world and their interactions with, like, the original Avengers. And, um, yeah, just, I love the development of, like, the Infinity Stones and how each one of them added to the plot. Um, yeah, just characters and plot development and the Infinity Stones. Like, I, <laughs> I don't know very much about like the like the history of Marvel. Um, I didn't read them as I mentioned, but um, I don't feel like I paid attention to the Infinity Stones until we're like we were like halfway through like the introduction. I'm like, oh, the Tesseract. That's an Infinity. Oh my god, I had no idea. <laughs> so I'm not sure if that was obvious or I was just oblivious but I yeah I think you were what was it uh, yeah, it was pretty late in the game that I was starting to pick up on that it was uh, <laughs> Thor actually he does like an exposition dump on the infinity stones in yeah. Age of Ultron so that's probably why you didn't remember he's yeah. like he's like oh this is this 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 I'm gonna go off now bye <laughs> <laughs> to my own movie bye, bye. Was, see you yeah. later <laughs> that's literally what happened yeah I think it was at that point where it might have been even later for me. I'm pretty oblivious sometimes, but yeah, I <laughs> um, that added an interesting element to it once I started realizing it was happening. <laughs> Can I just also say, I guess this ties into things that I didn't really like. The Mind Stone. The Mind Stone is yellow, but yeah. it's inside a blue... I, I didn't like that. That's it's very confusing. Yellow. It's yellow. It's, 
It's yellow. It's inside a blue case. It turns vision red, and Wanda has red powers. Red powers, yeah. I does it make sense? I no, it no. does not make and sense. Then I, I would get it confused with the Tesseract sometimes on which powers was which until I was like, okay, nope, Mind Stone, yellow, vision, not blue. Anyway, that's just yeah, a nitpicky no. thing. That also that also got me that. <laughs> I think I was watching WandaVision when I was starting to like connect the dots, and I was like, <laughs> Phase three also gives us, like we said earlier, the long-awaited Black Panther, which. Broke box office records, $1.3 billion US. It is a predominantly black cast, black director. I saw it in theaters three times and it is amazing. Before I get onto the question, we need to pay homage to Black Panther as its phenomenon. It gave us music. It gave us a real villain with humanity and substance that I did not see Killmonger as a villain at all. Like, his actions were justified to me. I Until he did fucked up shit because I, he would, you know, sympathize with him too much. And it's yeah. like, no, no, he's still a villain. Yes. <laughs> Until he got power hungry and decided, I'm going to take these weapons and uh, turn them against everybody else and nuke the world. And there we are. And then you're just like, oh, I had such high hopes for you. Um, (laughs) I just, I loved the, just the representation of all African cultures. I thoroughly enjoyed at the end of, um, Black Panther when Killmonger says, bury me in the sea like my ancestors, because they knew that jumping the ships would be better than slavery. I, I could, I didn't, I didn't have any words. I didn't have, I don't have words now. Like, it was just one of these movies. It was a beautiful, badass line that I would agree with, too. Yes. As someone who is black, and my ancestors were slaves, so I felt what he was saying. This movie is just, like, it's one of my favorites. It's just phenomenal. Everything about it was phenomenal. And just, and the fact that Ryan Coogler, at the time, 30-something-year-old, like, our age, taking oh, this on. He's quite young. Yeah, as a black director from Oakland, and they played so much into that, right? Like, they had Killmonger be from Oakland. I just, I loved it. I loved what Black Panther is. I'm Chadwick Boseman. I thank you, your soul, for your gift, because the legacy and the storytelling that he left us with, not only Black Panther, but, you know, 42... Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. It's just, it's just phenomenal. And so Chadwick, thank you. Just, yeah, that's all I can say. Cause I will cry. <laughs> I think for me, for, uh, what Black Panther means for myself, who is, I am Black and I identify as a Black nerd, so a blurred. So for me, representation matters. And the fact that this is not, this is not a slave movie. I, this is not a trauma movie. Uh, with a predominantly black cast. This is actually black joy. This is Afrofuturism. This is something that we've never really got in the mainstream, and that's what I appreciate. I've always wanted to have a fantasy movie, horror movie, uh, sci-fi movie of this magnitude. And the fact that I think Black Panther really opened up a lot of doors to these kinds of movies, because I'm seeing so many now, like, especially on Amazon Prime, by the way, like, they're killing it with these movies. Yeah. And the fact that we're finally getting these stories that 
this is what we want. We, we don't want to continually see black trauma over and over and over again. Not that those stories shouldn't be told, but it's just, like I said, it's trauma. No, that's not all there is. And I am excited to see what, what other things are going to come about from, from other directors and actors that kind of want to start telling those stories. And at Halima, you said it really well about Chadwick. Um, I think he really brought the character of T'Challa to life. Um, so the fact that now we have a character on screen that little, like children, um, like black children can look up to and they can actually be like, mommy, I want to be like Black Panther. Like those kinds of things are really exciting for me. And I do recall, I can't remember which convention it was, but I saw a family, like a black family that was all dressed up in cosplay, like the kids and the parents. And I was like, you, this is what I aspire to. This is what I want to do. Just having that kind of connection. And it's, it's just really great. And I think um, for me as well, my first introduction with Black Panther was through X-Men. So for those that don't know, Storm and T'Challa married. And they were essentially the Beyonce and Jay-Z of the MCU. <laughs> I can't take credit for that. I don't remember who said it, but shout out to whoever actually said that. Because that, that was like a perfect sum up of what they were. I saw this very interesting thing on YouTube when they were exploring, you know, Storm's powers and Black Panther that the people in Wakanda, Black Panther told them that she is a god. So there was a there's a scene in one of the comics where Storm is buried under rubble and she can't get out. And so T'Challa as Black Panther and all the people of Wakanda pray to Storm and therefore finds her power. And then therefore tells her, you're actually this goddess. Whereas, this might be controversial to hardcore X-Men fans, but don't at me, don't come for me, but... What you gonna say? (laughs) Whereas they brought up the point that Xavier played off her powers as like, you're just a mutant. Which speaks to, sort of, and I'm sorry, not sorry, white culture sometimes that... No, that's what he did. He plays up fucking Jean Grey... Goddamn Dark Phoenix. How many movies are we going to have of Dark Phoenix? I want a Storm movie. Enough. Or at least get Dark Phoenix right. Sorry. It's okay. But the point of, like, you're going to play down this woman's power, this black woman's power, as a goddess to fit your narrative because you know that she can kick your ass and not even leave her bed. And that's just kind of the power of black comics and black storytelling and, you know, things that need to be represented and told. And I think that, like you said, Cheryl Ann, this is what Black Panther represented and what needs to keep going forward. (laughs) Jason? Um, Yeah, I believe that Black Panther and MCU definitely opened the doors for a lot of movies that are coming out, like nowadays. And... When Black Panther was announced and came out, like, it was so crucial for, like, the representation and just seeing, like, my students, you know, dressing up as these characters and I think it's so important and I've talked to both of you about this, like, how deliberate I am with every single book I put in my classroom library because I feel that they should see themselves in the, in the books that they pick up 
for that yeah yeah I just found it hilarious because I remember watching those with my sister we have it on VHS living single but anyway I think it's funny was that the one with Queen Latifah yeah oh yeah it was Queen Latifah but also I think another person said another I don't know who they were talking about how um how they uncon they they like saw uh um actors and actresses of all races or whatever and they just happened to choose like all white cast and I was like, is this not unconscious bias that you're doing, though? Like, I, I mean, like, all of the cast members are great. 
kind of really like Jennifer Aniston, but that's another story. But like, you know? Yeah. Shout out to Happy Endings. That is a better version of Friends. I love Happy Endings. I know. It's great. <laughs> Sorry. Back on track with Marshall. It's okay. <laughs> As you're saying, it opened so many doors for things that are coming out now. Shang-Chi. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Shang-Chi, yeah. People online, he, was, he gave props to Chadwick and Black Panther. He said... Had this film not been made, maybe Shang-Chi would not have been made. Like, it opened up so many doors. Yeah. yeah. I love that he kind of, like, tweeted a long time ago being like, hey, let's make this happen. And then he, it did, and he's like, what the hell? <laughs> Yay! In that case, I'm tweeting tomorrow, um, Kevin Feige, give me a job. <laughs> Just any job. Give me a job. I've said so many things, and they've happened. <laughs> Kevin Feige, please give us all jobs. <laughs> you can reach yeah, out. Give us. Fine. I'll give you our contact information. <laughs> <laughs> so, would you say that then Cheryl Ann Black Panther was the one that changed your life? Uh, it was that one and Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy too. So, I was gonna say, so 2017 was a really rough year for me, um, just emotionally and mentally. You guys know why. Um, and we saw Guardians. I saw it with you, Jasmine, and the other peeps. Um, but that was the first Marvel movie of the year in 2017, and it really kind of brought me out of my funk. Um, for myself, I use Marvel movies and conventions for my and cosplay for my mental health. And I think the theme of the Guardians movie um, of love and that the family doesn't just mean like blood. It's the people that you choose in your life to support you through struggles. I really thought that that resonated with me. Um, as well, like the whole music soundtrack was fantastic. <laughs> I love Fleetwood Mac and the fact that the chain kept playing over and over again to kind of represent that theme of love. It really hit home for me. And a month later, I got a tattoo with the words, never break the chain. So really affected me. So. And Jasmine, for you, which movie or movies have changed your life? Uh, I feel like that's a pretty grand statement that like changed your life. I think just... Um, or had a big impact or influence on <laughs> your movie going experience or, you know, your love for comics and... Marvel. I think this is one of the first instances where, like, I'm very in tune with, like, what's coming up, like, the chain being, like, I don't think I've been invested in a series or invested in movies to this level. Like, I would be, like, I would just wait for, like, trailers being, like, all right, what's coming? All right, that sounds good. Let's go do that. But, like, I've never been, like, okay, well, this movie is coming out in four years. This movie's coming out in five years. I cannot wait. You know, this is where I think this is going. This is happening for this potentially in the future. I think this is the first time that I've kind of been invested in a, a movie series that way. I know there's other movie series, but nothing to this level or my level investment. Harry Potter? Oh, yeah. Harry Potter. That's done. Agreed. It's done. By 2019, we've come full circle of 11 years, and we have the Endgame. What was the feeling you had while watching Endgame? Just the atmosphere, your internal feeling? Yeah, just being so incredibly excited. And I think experiencing it with others, like, in a theater at the same time, like, the, the, the 
you know, the reactions at the exact same time, the cheering, the everybody just being, like, completely, like, frozen at the end of a movie being, like, you know, like, taking that breath together was really exciting. Yeah. And I was telling Halima the other day on our walk that um, there is this little meme or something that I read that made me laugh. It's like, all right, son, you know, we finished watching Infinity War, and then the son wants to watch next movie. It's like, no, you have to wait a full year. (laughs) (laughs) Experience it like I did. (laughs) I think for me as well, so I want to talk about Infinity War first. Yeah. So in theaters, so I want to shout out to Russell. If you're listening to this, if you're not, screw you. But I'm just kidding. Um, so he got tickets for opening night. And opening night was a Wednesday, I remember. It wasn't a Thursday. It wasn't a Friday. So uh, we went with his, his friends and his wife. And just the app, it was packed. Like, this is Westhead. It was packed. And people, like, they cosplayed. And I was like, damn, why didn't I do that? I was not thinking ahead. But just the fact that we're in the theaters. I normally don't like movie theaters with like strangers because they're annoying but for this movie like everyone was quiet for like scenes that required you to be quiet everyone's laughing at the same things everyone's i clapped i don't clap in movies but then <laughs> when captain america came on screen and that avengers thing came on bitch i motherfucking clapped it was fantastic and the thor scene when he comes in at the end oh. everyone's getting their asses beat I clapped again. Everyone was cheering. It was fantastic just being in that atmosphere and watching a movie, having that experience with people that are like like you and loving this whole culmination of 10 years. So that was my first experience with Infinity War and Endgame. Actually, I should say this. I started watching movies by, like, I started going to theaters by myself, like, after, I think, Guardians. So Spider-Man, Far From Home, um, and it's just because I didn't want to wait for people anymore. <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry, I like going to matinees, there's like barely any people. So I started just going to see the movies by myself, and then for Endgame, I was like, okay, this is it. I started it with my my lulz people, I will end it with them. So we went to see the movie, and again, just being in the theater with everyone, just... <sighs> It was such a great feeling, and there were so many moments in the movie where I I cried at one point. I laughed many times. Some parts I did not laugh so much, you know, yeah. I've already spoken about it. But it was just fantastic just being in that atmosphere. I had seen Infinity War five times, <laughs> so twice in theaters, three times not in theaters. And this was in three days. Yeah. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> so Infinity War is my you know you, you guys know I love Mad Max Fury Road. So yeah. Infinity War is like right up there with Mad Max Fury Road. My student asked me the other day, you know, like when this whole pandemic is over, like what's something that you look forward to? Mm. And I was like seeing movies and um, yeah. and he's like, I wanna go swimming and I'm like <laughs> <laughs> You're like a child <laughs> I know for me, so if I'm talking Infinity War, same Cheryl, and that scene where, you know, bearded nomad Cap comes out from the shadows. When I watched it again, in preparation, same smile, same excitement as 
for when I saw it the first time in theaters. Same exhilaration. Um, same thing with Thor coming in, and I almost cried when Thor came in because I was so like, (laughs) I was so in the battle and stressed out that I was just like, somebody fucking come help them already. And then he comes and he brings Stormbreaker, which I was, oh, Stormbreaker's here. And just that whole movie of like, you know, you start off positive, you start off so positive that you can actually do this, and then you can't, you find out you can't, and then it takes you into Endgame, and the heartbreaking part of Endgame is when Tony was like, I needed you, I needed you and you weren't there, and, you know, same thing could be said for Steve, where, you know, Cap needed Tony and Tony wasn't there, right? Like, it could be said for both of them in the same sort of way, and it's broken. And this is the first time that they're seeing each other since Civil War, so they have that animosity, still healing from it, and then they're bringing it into Infinity War. They're, and still not seeing each other through that whole movie, and... Then they're bringing it to Endgame, and there isn't a sort of closure for five years, quote-unquote. And then you pick up five years later. For Sherlyn, you said earlier that they're making fun of him and all this stuff, like calling him like Lebowski in reference to Big Lebowski. And Don Cheadle's character makes a quick joke at his expense saying he's filled with cheese whiz. Cheese whiz? When he's clearly hurting. He's clearly hurting because in that moment... He has a glimpse of hope that he can be the one to snap his fingers and bring mm-hmm. them back, and he needs to do it. Because his res- his response in that five years of the weight gain, of the drinking, of the eating, of the not caring for his people, is an honest, traumatic reaction to what he has lost. Mm-hmm. And, 100%. And him being a god and not knowing really that feeling, that human feeling and of loss and disappointment in himself came tumbling down on him. And Chris Hemsworth, like I said it again, like you surprised me. Like it was just like what he did and how he executed it. It was just so amazing. And then watching Infinity, like in the final battle scene when, you know, it's Thor, it's Cap, it's Iron Man against Thanos, those three. It's a callback the trilogy. for the trilogy, and it's a callback for me, which I think is very sweet because when they're first introduced to each other in Avengers, it's again the three of them, and the three of them are fighting each other because they want Loki, and they're learning to how to like they're new to each other and they're not getting along, and then after eleven years, they finally find their groove. They finally get along. Cap is able to lift. He's Mjolnir. finally able to lift it. Not Mew Mew. God damn it. Not Mew Mew. <laughs> no, no, Mjolnir. He's finally able to lift Mjolnir, and it's this, like, he's worthy now. He knows that he's worthy now because of the guilt and the frustration that is taken off of him from Civil War because he knew about Bucky and his past and Winter Soldier. He knew. I thought that as well. Halima, I thought that as well because he was... He was almost worthy. He yeah. saw it in Avengers. Yeah. But I, I honestly thought that as well, that because he knew about Bucky or Winter Soldier killing 
Tony's parents and mm-hmm. he just didn't tell Tony. Yeah. I think that's the reason that he wasn't truly worthy. Worthy. But the fact that he, yeah, the fact that he, like, told Steve, like, or told Tony's, I am, told Tony, yeah. yeah, yeah, what happened and then that's it. He's worthy now. Yeah. He did it. it was a weight lifted off of him and a weight that he knew, Milner knew that he finally deserved to wield it. Like, he was worthy enough to do so. And then the part where I cry every time. So, you know, everybody's getting their ass kicked. It's just Cap. His shield is is in half now. And one, before I continue with this thought, this man, somebody else give him something else because he can't hold on to his shield. He's always losing the goddamn thing. He <laughs> left it in, in Civil War and he needed another one when T'Challa was like, get this man a shield in Infinity War. And even that look on his face of like, do I even deserve a shield? No matter what the shield is, he looked as a thought. To me, his face was very much like, what is this responsibility that I'm holding? Which will very much play into uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier because the shield in itself is this sort of responsibility and what it represents. So by the time of Endgame, the shield is in half, right? He's His arm is broken, it's bleeding. For the first time, we kind of see Cap bleed. And he's defeated, but he gets up. Because from Captain America, the first Avenger, that's who he is. He gets up. And, you know, there's this great TikToker. She was like, I saw their TikTok, and she was like, why are you whispering Avengers Assemble? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I thought, I... Why the hell would, did he whisper it? I don't, I don't understand. understand. Like, it's such a great moment. And that's the first you time. You have to be yelling. There's like a thousand people. They can't hear you. And How are they going to know to start writing? And it's Endgame, and you know, he's facing Thanos and the millions and millions of aliens, because it's all the aliens from the from the past, really, from the ones that they haven't... The Chitauri. The Chitauri, and um, so he's facing them, and then you hear on your left, Sam comes in, everybody comes oh. in, I cry every time. Such a great moment. The music... T'Challa coming in! My people! They came in! I was coughing! The music builds very slowly to the Avengers theme song, and my breath, every time I watch it, I hold it. Because it's a moment for me that's, like, very overwhelming. Because you're invested in these characters now. You you are part of this family now with the MCU that you're so much invested. And for me, it was just... It was wonderful. It was beautiful. My issue, of course, I've said this many times, is Carol Danvers coming into the last minute to save the goddamn world, but... I didn't even... Yeah. <laughs> she, I, you know what? I am glad, though, because everyone assumed... Well, I don't know everyone, but I assumed. I was like, I really hope that she's not going to come in to save the day because we... we I know her character, but, like, people, like, general audiences are not going to know her character. They're not going to know her backstory, so, and because that we've now built up 10 years with these characters. Captain Marvel, Marvel came in, like, how many months before Endgame? And then I was like, no, she, she, I'm sorry, she doesn't deserve to save the day. Like, I want her to fail. I'm sorry. <laughs> it would be an easy win, essentially, if she did come in and was like, hey, guys, I wasn't in all these movies, but I'm here in the last, like, five minutes. Yeah. Save the day. TikToker is Nikki Marina. Thank you. Nikki, we love your stuff. I love it so much. I laugh every time. 
So the feeling for me of Endgame was very much thank you. Thank you for 11 years. I mean, you know, Tony, Tony gives his life for the cause. So I mean, for me, it was, it was closure. It was, you know, I'm okay. I'm good. And then, yeah, that was Endgame for me. So Jasmine, after my thesis statement, how was Endgame for you? Um, I agree that it was, like, it was a really nice closure. I didn't feel like I had any, any like, things left over that, like, what-ifs or, like, things that needed to be, like, finished. I was like, okay, you know, that was, that was really good, you know, I was really excited for Phase 4, um, but, you know, like, I thought that that was, like, the perfect end cap to Phase 3. To finish Endgame and sort of Phase 3 slash 4, we get Spider-Man Far From Home. It is Peter Parker, Spider-Man, dealing with who am I if the Avengers are not around? Tony, my mentor, has given his life and I am, I'm lost. How do I continue this legacy that Tony created? And how do I go on being a kid? And, you know, in true teenage fashion, he gets led astray by Mysterio, played by Jake Gyllenhaal, which I didn't know what to expect of Jake Gyllenhaal's Mysterio. But as a person who auditioned for Spider-Man when Tobey Maguire got it, I'm glad to finally see Jake Gyllenhaal in Spider-Man in some sort of aspect. And as Mysterio, I thought he was, he was great. I have no complaints again. I love, I, Tom Holland again. You made me love Spider-Man. Thank you, Sharon. I I just really like the introduction of Mysterio and the fact that they did mention the the multiverse. And Mm -hmm. although he wasn't actually from the multiverse, we already know that they are going that route. So that got me really excited just to see like the future again. They're going to get weird with it. I really enjoy having that weirdness. Yeah. Uh, Weirdness, magic, anything like that in Marvel. Mm -hmm. So... Oh my god! Oh my god! Yes, I I did have something. This isn't a bad thing. That end scene where J J Jameson, yeah, J, J yes, J K Simmons as J J was fantastic. Yeah, I did not see that coming, and I was like, "What's happening?" He's he's what's and then I got really confused. Um, so for but my... having J K Simmons was just fantastic. Also, yeah. go and watch Invincible if you guys have not. I saw That's something on social media today that was like, oh my god, you know, like, the world knows my secret identity now. And then it's like, well, why don't you just get a scroll to post next to Peter or Spider-Man and be like, oh, problem solved. That would be so, so interesting. We're going to do some fun questions. So I've watched Black Panther three times in theaters. Again, I've watched Iron Man multiple times. I've watched Endgame multiple times now that it's on Disney+. Plus. Disney does not pay me, so there's your free shout-out. Um, each of you, which movie would you see, which one of the movies would you watch over and over again? Well, I've literally done that, so... All of them. All of them. <laughs> uh, except for... And not get... <laughs> except for Dark World. Yeah, I've just watched them multiple times, so... Except yes. Captain America, because you fall asleep in that one. Yeah. yeah. Well, actually, Spider-Man Far... <laughs> Far From Home, rewatching it, I had only watched it once in theaters. Yeah. I don't have it on DVD like I normally do, and I was like, oh, I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> Go and buy it. But <laughs> that, so it, I've only watched that twice. Yeah. And Jasmine, what about you? Um, I think out of all of the movies, 
the ones that I've rewatched the most are Guardians of the Galaxy, Civil War, like Infinity War, Endgame. Um, but I also really enjoyed, um, I have the list in front of me here, <laughs> um, the Spider-Man, because I, as you mentioned, like, the recasting of Spider-Man has really, like, um, reignited my love for the character, because I used to love watching the cartoon with my brothers growing up, and I watched the Tobey Maguire movies just because it was a superhero movie, and those were kind of hard to come by back then, and yeah, watching... Homecoming and Far From Home, and I'm really excited for for No Way Home as well. Uh, which is oh, your? Sorry. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I just wanted to say with Infinity War, I think that's the movie that I continually watch over and over again. I do want to talk about how it's the first time we see them fail, like a hundred percent. Yeah. And that movie is a Thanos movie. Yeah. He, the fact that the Avengers have failed, I enjoyed it <laughs> in a really sick way. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. They're I, I think, yeah, they tried and they failed. And yeah. I think that's where that personal connection comes in, where it's like, like I guess you can use it for any anything that you've done where you failed and it's like, you beat yourself up. You're like, why did I, why did this happen? Why did I do this? Yeah. And then end game, it's like, nope, we need to fix this. Like, let's go. Yeah. Well, as you mentioned, like, if you had a time stone, you would use it to fix your mistakes. And- yes. <laughs> Continually. <laughs> Continual Groundhog Day. <laughs> Which is your favorite Easter egg? We've been given so many, so many Easter eggs. There's just so many little things, like, going back and watching it, you just, you pick up. Even Tony's suits, the way he makes them, and then referring to making them better, and then by the end of it, you get nanotechnology, and that's the best suit, I think. It was just pretty dope. I Just the little things that build up towards the year that make sense that I appreciated about the Easter eggs. I have a whole list. So, such content. So, again, Cap finally wielding Mjolnir. That is honestly one of the best moments that I have witnessed specifically because he did it in the comics, and quite a few characters have. Um, Black Widow even did it once, which is funny, because in Age of Ultron, she didn't even try, and I was like, you know, you're actually you're actually worthy. But anyway, the Pulp Fiction quote on Nick Fury's tombstone was fantastic. Yeah. I love Quentin Tarantino movies, and I love Pulp Fiction. Um, Stanley with the Watchers. So... That was in Guardians of the Galaxy 2, and for those that don't know the comics really well, the Watchers are kind of like, they're aliens that record and observe um, the universe, essentially. So having Stanley with the Watchers, the Watchers are now canon, they're in the universe, and if we ever get Uatu, who, for the, again, for those who don't know, he watches over humanity, uh, fantastic. Thank you so much, James Gunn. Um, another Guardians of the Galaxy uh, Easter egg is Adam Warlock at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy 2. That like blew my mind because he's he's a major character in the comics and specifically in the Infinity Gauntlet uh, storyline. So it was like, when are we going to see him? Is he going to show up in... How excited you were after seeing that in theaters. And I was like, I have... No idea what you were talking about. Oh. <laughs> it was so, it was so great, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, he's gonna show up in Infinity War," and he didn't. Um, instead, we got friggin' Captain Marvel, but it's fine. 
hopefully comes in uh, Guardians 3. Uh, again, J.K. Simmons in Spider-Man Far, Far From Home. Uh, any cameo from the community cast? Yeah. That was great. <laughs> Fantastic. As I was going to say, I have two if you want to just think. So the ones that I thought of were just kind of like glimpses, kind of like um, in like Thor's vault, kind of seeing the Infinity Gauntlet, or in the collector's collection, I guess. Mm. Like the weird little things that are here and there, like Howard. Howard the Duck? <laughs> Terrible. Um, It's the scene where um, they go back Endgame. into the seventies and in Endgame, yeah. It's it's also the fact that like he's from one of the shows that they sometimes forget that there are Marvel shows out there, and he was Jarvis as Jarvis. He was himself, yeah. so that was great. Um, in Infinity War, there was this, and I don't even know if this is an Easter egg, but the Russo brothers, I think they like anime, so. When Thanos kills Gamora on Vormir, and Thanos is in the Soul Stone, the scene where he, there's the eclipse in the background and he's in the water, there's a scene in the anime uh, Berserk with a very similar scene. It looks, shot for shot, it looks the same. So I don't know if that's an Easter egg, but when I saw it in theaters, I was like, holy shit, this is Berserk! <laughs> but anyway. Well, speaking of which, if we're, if, if, if it is an Easter egg or a callback or, you know, a fun little thing, every time someone goes off on their own to figure out their life and get their life sorted, whether it be Thanos, Scarlet Witch, when you guys start watching WandaVision, or even the Hulk, Edward Norton's version of the Incredible Hulk, they always end up in a cabin in the woods. Yeah. It's in the, in the sim- woods. Cabin in, the woods. cabin in the woods in the same spot in the middle facing water or facing a field stan lee we thank for this entire marvel phenomenon jack kirby as well which is your favorite stan lee cameo my favorite stan lee cameo is when he's delivering to tony stank yes, <laughs> yes! My favorite too jasmine i laughed so hard <laughs>
specifically because this is the end yeah. of the movies, but, and obviously they didn't know he was going to pass away. Um, but I would say that I, I thought about it and I was like, how could you incorporate him into this movie? And I thought that the best way would have been him in the scene at the very beginning of the movie where um, Steve is talking with the other in that support group. Yeah. And I feel like he should have been incorporated there to say something uplifting and positive. Yeah. I thought that would have been more meaningful than that. I'm sorry. This like weird driving. Like I one. get it. He's like in the seventies. It looks like him. Fine. Shout out to actually meeting him twice. I'm very happy that I did that. And he's complimented my, my very first cosplay as black cat. Oh. It was fantastic. Such a great moment. For me, I love the Tony Stank. I will never... I won't. If ever I meet RDJ and line up in that giant line, I will have him sign it as Tony Stank. I don't... I don't care. I enjoyed that by the time he... So he starts up... So I think this is before... Yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy. And then he's with the Watchers. And then he's in Thor Ragnarok. And he cuts Thor's hair. So I was like, so you mean Stan Lee is just playing one character going to space. And then he comes back from space. And then the flashback is just him having a flashback of his younger self. He's actually the same character. They confirmed it. He is the same character? In the Watchers scene, scene, um, he's talking about... All the, all the cameos that he's done before, so he's the Watcher's informant. The movies are nothing without their villains. Who is your favorite villain and why, Charlotte? It's a tie between Killmonger and Thanos, I think, for everyone, probably. I think Marvel finally got it right with how a villain should be, a supervillain should be done. Again, like what you said, Kalima, they showed his humanity where you understand his motivations and you get it. It's like, this is why I'm doing this. This is what happened to me. Therefore, this is what I believe. These are my morals. This is what I stand for. And exactly what you had said at the end of the movie, he's stuck by his morals. And he's like, you know what? Don't don't save me. Like, again, uh, just bury me in the ocean. His intentions were not, were what he wanted to do I thought was justified, but how he did it, I was like, uh, like you do forget that he's a villain until like he lets his girlfriend get shot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Then he takes the throne, he kills T'Challa, but I'm like, okay, you won fair and square and you have, you are of royal blood. Therefore, yeah, do this. Yeah. Uh, then he like choked out that old woman, and I was like, "Oh, me, you're bad." I yeah, <laughs> yeah. We were getting too much into. We we're like, you know, where it's like, I agree with you. Yeah, okay, never mind. And with Thanos, again, another fantastic villain. Where so in the comics, his motivations are very like they're not that great. The whole point of him trying to collect the uh, infinity stones in the comics, not gems. Um, was to impress Mr. Steph. That's essentially what it is. He's obsessed with death. The fact that in the the MCU movie, we're getting an actual motivation of, I believe that I'm trying to save the world. A hundred percent. We're we're over a hundred percent capacity of people or like beings in the universe, and people are starving. There's death. There's war. 
why don't I just get rid of 50% and I could, I could save the universe. So he is, he's a hero in his own story. And the fact that you see that at the end, um, where he goes off to that planet and he's smiling to himself, it's because he thinks that he's done well. He's like, I did it. I saved everyone. Even though you committed genocide. <laughs> but like, you get it. <laughs> and this was also one of my favorites. And the fact that, yes, I'm going to eradicate like 50% of the population, but he also didn't choose which 50%. Like, it yes. wasn't like, yeah. it wasn't like the, like the higher or low, lower, like tiered people, uh, but it was like 50% of anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, fully understood his motivation and I was like you know what that makes perfect sense you know like you're doing it a little misguided but you know like (laughs) I understand I get it yeah I also really enjoy um Loki and I'm really excited for his series coming up and the fact that you know like he's always felt like a second class citizen in his own family like that Thor was always the favorite and as soon as he found out that he was like half frost giant or fully half yeah yeah Um, yeah He's full, yeah. 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 He's a small little boy. Yeah. For, for my, in my head, I was like, it's half blood. Um, <laughs> yeah, that kind of like, that solidified his understanding. Like, there we go. I was always a second class citizen in my own family. Like, Thor was always the favorite. I was never going to win the throne. Like, my dad adopted me for completely misguided like, reasons. And, like, this has always been fake love. Like, I've never been loved. So. I am very excited for the upcoming series. But you know what's interesting? Sorry. No. <laughs> because that Loki that we got with his growth and development, he's dead now. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering how, so this Loki now, this is the Avengers Loki that like, he did some like messed up, he did messed up things. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested to see what kind of growth he's going to go through mm-hmm. in the Loki series. Watch it June 9th, mm-hmm. Wednesday. Mm-hmm. For me, I, you know, a favorite villain, again, Killmonger, is my favorite. What you said, Sherlan and Jasmine, about Thanos, thinking he did the right thing because he just wants, to quote Ultron, peace in my time. To him, that means for Thanos getting rid of 50% of the population. And what could be arguably said is that Iron Man is a villain. If that's how he feels... Iron Man chose to do almost the same things with building Ultron, building a network around the system, like he said, in, I think it was Endgame, Endgame. I tried to build this thing around the world with Ultron, and look at us now. If I had built it, none of this would happen, which isn't necessarily true, because it was supposed to happen, as according to Doctor Strange. So what can be said is that and I, and we'll go into this with character development because mine is, is Loki, but you know, the heroes are the villains as well. So I don't, I don't, this question, I guess, is a, is double-edged sword because what is a villain could be a hero and what is a hero could be a villain. I think that's very true because a lot of people do not like Tony. He's partially the reason that there were so many supervillains like Mysterio for one. All those yeah. people worked for Tony. Yeah. Yeah. Some kind of he stole that guy's technology. Your your barf thing that you brought up. Absolutely, I really hate that name. He stole a lot of things. He like a lot of his weapons. Like Wanda's yeah. family died because of these weapons. Like he did a lot of things that were not great. And yeah, hundred percent, he could be looked at as a villain. 
mm-hmm. and not be like seen as a martyr. Like I'm sure people love that she died. <laughs> and there are fans, like you Good said, point. there are fans that will, you know, will did root for that. There are fans that, you know, root for Loki and root for Thanos because Thanos did the exact same thing that many of them wanted to do, but he just had the audacity to do it because I, he is more about action. And he was willing to do it at the expense of his own life. If, if yeah. Be. He killed he, and his daughter. And his daughter. Loved. He killed the one he loved to. He legitimately loved her too. Otherwise, he wouldn't have got the soul stone. What are your top five movies out of all of them? I can go first. One moment, please. <laughs> I'll go first. Yeah. Of course, Black Panther. Of course, Captain America, Winter Soldier. First Iron Man, because of the bond I have built with my my cousins and my little cousins and nephews. Guardians of the Galaxy and Endgame. Those are mine. So I always have a hard time picking my top five because every time I go, I, t- I name four, I'm like, oh yeah, this. Oh yeah, that. So I have like, I'm just going to name all of them. So Infinity War, 100%. That is my favorite. Thor Ragnarok. As much as I, you know, I rag on the humor in, like, the, I guess the movies after Thor Ragnarok, it was fantastic. Like, Thor Ragnarok is Mm -hmm. great. Um, Captain America Civil War. I, for me, that's one of my favorite storylines in the comics. And the fact that in the comics, it was, like, all the Marvel characters kind of duking it out. And I was like, how are they going to do this in Civil War when we don't have X-Men, don't have Fantastic Four, we don't have all these other characters? Like, how are they going to do that? And I I thought they did a pretty good job considering what they had. Uh, Captain America, Winter Soldier, that was the beginning of how the movie, like, it set the tone for the movies are going to be different now. They set the swag. Fantastic. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Black Panther, of course, and Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm not going to say Endgame because I rewatched it two days ago and I can't get past that that timeline bullshit. I can't. Oh, yeah. Okay. Listen, we'll talk about it. De- Halima, you tried to defend it. No, it is not correct. Because how... I'm sorry. Where did Cap get that... Where did he get the shield from? Yeah, so I rewatched he did it. Not go, he didn't go back with the shield. His he shield didn't. Broke so, theory time... Because I had to write it down. So before we continue, and so, okay, Jasmine, you go to your top five, and then we're going to break down Endgame Timeline real quick, and we're going to wrap it's, up. It's all wrong. Yeah. The, the, okay. the directors and the, no. Jasmine, go ahead. Your top five. Uh, sorry. Um, my top five. I think that my top five have to do with, like, more of, like, the big cats, like, the, pretty much all of the Avengers. Um, Winter Soldier, Civil War. I just, I, <laughs> um, Ragnarok is one of my favorites as well. I just, um, I love when they get more than one hero together and there's like mm-hmm. more complex storylines than just one person's growth throughout a whole movie. Like, that's why I love the Guardians so much is that there was an ensemble of like weird ass characters <laughs> yeah. going on an adventure together. <laughs> so, yeah, I really like um, the multiple character movies. Those have to be my favorites. Yeah. What theme do you take from the movies? For me, 
it would be don't underestimate a nerd because they will save your life. They're pretty cute. I mean, you got Steve Rogers, you got Peter Parker, you got Iron Man. They're good looking, they're rich, they can save your life, and they do what is right to them. Not necessarily right to everybody else, but what they believe in, and they will fight for the underdog. At least Steve Rogers and um, Peter Parker do. So don't underestimate a nerd. And <laughs> also the theme of family. It's spoken throughout the cinematic universe, and, you know, they have a great sort of callback from Winter Soldier where Nat is like, you're not everything to all people at all times, you're different things, and then he, she's like, what do you want me to be? And he's like, a friend, and she said, friends are hard to come by, or something like that. You're wrong business! Oh, yes. You're in the wrong business for that, Rogers. Come to Endgame. Where she's like, what are you doing here? Your laundry? And he's like, I'm checking in on a friend. And she says, this friend is fine. So they're finally friends. And they're finally family. And, you know, she gives her life for the Soul Stone because she gives her life for a greater cause. And to me, that's the theme. The theme is family. I'm sorry. I forgot about this. (laughs) Can I interject? I don't believe she should have died. 100% 100% it should have been Hawkeye. His ass should have died in Age of Ultron. It didn't. Guess who died? My boy Quicksilver. His ass should have... His, he should have died in Endgame. I'm sorry. We have more of a connection with Black yeah, Widow than Hawkeye. And I love Hawkeye in the comics. Jeremy Renner did well with what he had, but I honestly feel like his redemption arc for uh, his... For him doing what he was doing in the five years would have been him giving up his life. Yeah. And especially because And now we're he... getting this bullshit... Sorry. <laughs> now we're getting this prequel to Black Widow when we know that she's dead, and I don't feel like it's doing her justice. Should have been ten years ago. Yeah. And especially, like, he should have given his life because it's part of his redemption act. I mean, his family disappears. Uh-huh. He terrorizes the whole entire world. And she finds him literally executing a mob dealer in, in Tokyo, which that actor, which was fantastic. And that actor is in Mortal Kombat and he does so many things. And like, I was reading an article today and, um, they were saying that he should, he would have made a better grandmaster. I can't remember for the life of me the actor's name, but. Hiroyuki? Yeah, it was Hiroyuki. With his whole sort of, yes, redemption act and the fact that he went on this rampage. To give his life for his family would have been a better, I'm sorry, I need to make it better. And this is how I'm making it better. And that would have been his redemption. They killed off two female characters, Gamora and Black Widow, which I, I get Gamora's because, and for still seeing her, she's alive and another timeline. But yeah, I, I don't know. I feel a certain way about yeah. Black Widow's death. Jasmine, what I theme think, do you take with you? I think the main theme or takeaway that I've gotten from these movies is just kind of like sticking to your convictions, I guess, and like um, doing what is right and overcoming um, the different adversities that you might be experiencing to do like the greater good. That's, yeah, that's pretty much mine as well. Um, standing up for what's right. And because 
we're all, all of us, all three of us are doing that in our own personal lives right now. And we don't back down from things that we know aren't right. And we speak out on things and yeah. So, <laughs> um, this is hard, not hard. I don't know. Who is your favorite Avenger? I, I don't have any. I honestly don't have one. I like, I can say. You have such love for Captain America. Yes, I know. So if I could say, um, Black Panther, definitely. Captain America, definitely. And the other ones are not really a fan of. Black, Black, Black Widow, I enjoy. Cause what Scarlet did going forward with her roles from Iron Man 2, I, amazing. Woman kicking ass and like, just her growth, and we'll talk about if you guys chose her, but, like, her growth as an actor and as a character in the MCU, wonderful. So, Black Widow, Captain America, and Black Panther. Yeah, I cosplayed as Black Widow in Iron Man 2, and I, I've rewatched that movie for her. She did such a fantastic job. Yeah. Oh, I remember that year, Jasmine. I was Bulma. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I have, even before WandaVision came out, I think Scarlet, which was one of my favorites as well, because she's phenomenal, and she's so strong, and the growth that she's made, and, like, the things that she's gone through, and, yeah, she is probably my favorite, and just WandaVision solidified that. That is mine as well, Scarlet Witch, but mine was more so because, again, she's an X-Men and in the comics, she is OP. So for people who don't know what that means, overpowered. She's very smart. She's very strong. And the fact that, well, I guess we're talking about, I'm going to talk about WandaVision as well, that I finally got to see a version of uh, Decimation, House of X. That's a huge storyline in the X-Men comics. And the fact that she, she could have beat Thanos. She could have beat Thanos. She was so powerful. Yeah. And I was like, no. If you... Her against Captain Marvel, I put my bets on Scarlet Witch. She's very strong. And I am glad that they did do that scene as a justice towards Scarlet Witch because throughout the whole thing, I was like, she's not really... They're not really utilizing her Mm -hmm. as well as they could. Mm -hmm. Like, the first introduction... Yeah, the first introduction of her, uh, who was it? Maria Hill was like talking about their powers and she's like oh he's weird you know she's weird and he's fast and i'm like no 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 that's like an oversimplified <laughs> yeah no idea you don't know what my girl can do <laughs> i um the first time i watched it just because it was like there was so much happening when he said when she's he says you know i don't even know who you are and she's yeah. like oh you will oh, you will yeah i didn't realize because of like he's a different timeline than i was i thought it was like I'm like, how dare you talk to her so <laughs> insignificantly? Do not know who she is. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's actually really funny. He does now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she could have destroyed him. The whole and then and then friggin' Captain Marvel comes in. I'm like, yeah, no, well, no. he had to like sacrifice like himself and others just to get her off of him. Because like, yeah. You know, like, rain it down on us and he's like but 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 it's like do it he's like i don't give a fuck just do it yeah she's gonna kill me (laughs) (laughs) which character had your favorite um story arc and character development 
for me, like I said, Loki, you didn't really know. I mean, they're going to undo all of that character timeline soon. <laughs> or uh, in the last couple of episodes, if you guys have been kept keeping up with it since June 9th. But Loki, the timeline that we are familiar with, is my char- favorite character development. Um, along with Black Widow, like said earlier. Just because he didn't, he started out not knowing who he was and where he fit. And by the end of it, he's like, I actually fit right here as, you know, as an Avenger, as not an Avenger, doing my own thing. But also, family is what's important to me. Because when Frigga dies and he messes up his jail cell, he's mourning. He sacrifices himself for his brother in Infinity War. And then that scene in Thor Ragnarok when they're in the elevator and they're saying goodbye but in a way that's like, I don't want to say goodbye. Thor's like, maybe you should stay here. And then Loki's like, maybe I should stay here. But what I need you to say is, you're my brother, and I need you to come with me. And that's why I loved at the end of Thor Ragnarok when they were both on the ship, and he was like, oh, you made it, you know, throwing something at him. He's like, and it's almost like a, thank God you made it. And then... Just him, like, finding this place and the fact that I don't have to be what they expect me to be. I can find my own way and be who I want to be. My favorite character development for Loki. I like the character development of um, Black Widow because you find out as at, like, really brief flashbacks when Scarlet Witch uh, kind of, like, Poisons her mind, or just kind of, I can't, I, yeah, does her little, her little, moody <laughs> little witch thing. <laughs> yeah, that, um, you know, the fact that how she was, like, groomed to be this assassin and, you know, fertilized and, like, not have these relationships, and then how she kind of does her own thing and develops that friendship with Clint, and really hoping that in Black Widow we find out, like, what happened in uh, Budapest. Budapest, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> and, how she, you know, became friends and family with the Avengers, like, with, uh, Cap, with Cap, and, um, how she eventually, like, was, like, the leader during that five years of, like, the rescue missions and, like, finding out where everybody was, and, yeah, I really appreciated her character development. Did not really appreciate her hair in Endgame, but that's... <laughs> in Endgame? What was it again? The half red, half blonde thing. She was growing it out. She was I, know. <laughs> I appreciated it. <laughs> I, I didn't like her hair like in Avengers. I don't like that short wig. No. Or whatever that was. <laughs> I'm always here for a good braid. I enjoyed her hair. <laughs> I I understand it, but I was like Like, you can, like, tell, like, what she's been through, like, you know, she 
where she is from where she was. And Charlene, for you? As much as I don't like to say it, Thor, and I'm not counting Endgame, I mean, Thor, from Thor movie to Thor Ragnarok, I do feel like he did go through that growth period of him thinking that he's the most powerful being, and then... And then my father is Anthony. Anthony Hopkins be like, mm-hmm, "Bitch, get the stuff in. you are not powerful. You are not worthy." And then him kind of learning that growth, that just learning, essentially learning humanity or humanity, humility, humility, both, yeah, both, both. okay, humility, yeah, I'll both, both, yeah, all of ours. Yeah, I think that's kind of it. And for Thor Ragnarok, his weapon is destroyed yeah and he he's like how do i like what am i supposed to do now and then who said it was it his yeah odin is like are you the god of hammers are you the god of hammers (laughs) and it's like oh yeah i'm the god of thunder yeah like um was it peter or am i thinking of a different movie about how like I'm nothing without my suit. It's like, then you're nothing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that's, Tony said that to Peter yeah. as well. It's true. And, yeah, as much as I like to rag on Thor, you know what he's like? Guys, he is the Eric Matthews of the MCU. Yes! Do you understand this reference? <laughs> Eric Matthews. So, if you guys have watched Boy Meets World, I freaking love Boy Meets World. Eric Matthews was so smart, so suave, so intelligent in the first couple of seasons as the, like, cool older brother. Then they made his, him dumb and really funny. You know That's Thor. Um, side, side note, I saw this theory that really made sense to me about Boy Meets World, and I'll make it really fast because I know it's not <laughs> that the reason Eric went from being, like, a super cool, suave brother to, like, the dumb older brother is because you're seeing him through Corey Matthews' perspective. Of like when he's younger, you know his brother's the coolest. Ah. Oh. His brother's like not that cool. He's kind of a dweeb, you know. He's kind of embarrassing. And I was like, okay, you know, like I like oh. that. I like that too. And we also met him too. Yes, yes, we did. I saw that and I'm like, it makes perfect sense. And I, I don't know if it was a theory or if it was where I saw that. I will let you know. No, that's really good. That's but yeah. Topanga was also really weird too. And then also, sorry, we're gone. That's also through his perspective because he saw her as weird and then he saw her as, as a child. Way. Yeah, and then yeah. he's like, "Oh, I like you." Okay, there you go. Sorry, I apologize. I don't. No, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> yep. The movies also gave us some of the funniest moments where we die laughing. I love again Thor Ragnarok. That is like my comedic movie that is I just I love it so much I love (laughs) I didn't like that line (laughs) you know um it was written by a child was it not a child that had a -a make-a-wish that he would like either meet Thor or be on set of Thor Ragnarok and then the day of he was like you know what you should say when you see um, Hulk, you should say he's a friend from work, and they put it into the movie. Oh, I still don't like it. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> I really don't. Uh, don't my, my mind. Favorite or funniest from Thor Ragnarok is a uh, get help. Yes, <laughs> get, get help. <laughs> 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 he's throwing him, and I'm like, 
Yeah, all of, like, all of Thorat is just so funny. And then the, even the beginning when Scourge is like, I'm the king. And he's not, he's not answering. He's Carl. not. <laughs> and he's not answering the call for the, for the bridge. And then you're just like, oh my god. What are you doing? It's just like, oh, and then when, in Infinity War, when, uh, Bucky lifts Rocket, as a machine gun and twirls him around. The only thought that can go through my head is like, in Falcon and Winter Soldier, do you think that there's like a therapy session where this 107 year old man was like, so this one time in Wakanda, I lifted a raccoon and I swung him around like a machine gun? Cause this is the first time I've seen a chalking raccoon because I'm a hundred and like, two years old and this is like this was like a foreign concept to me of this talking raccoon i just i i loved it i loved it so much those were my funny moments but also the fact that rocket was like hmm, how much for the arm yes get that arm <laughs> i wanted that to happen and then russo's made it happen because I was like, he really likes taking body parts. Yeah. I wonder what he's going to do. Because he's building <laughs> a human. <laughs> he's building a human. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. It was really subtle, but I really liked the scene when Cap was like, you know, like, nothing will surprise me now. And he's like, do you want to bet? And it's very subtle that, like, as, like, the spaceship is going, I mean, not the spaceship, like, the the water vessel all of a sudden is going into the sky, like, he just, like, slides in the tent or something, <laughs> being like, there you go, you know, like, I, I am wrong, there you go. <laughs> you know, when I saw that in theaters, I actually forgot the bet, and I was like, why is he giving him money? <laughs> I didn't understand. <laughs> Until I rewatched it, I was like, oh, okay. Okay, <laughs> I also have a whole list. <laughs> Jasmine. Yes. I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. Yeah. That is the greatest. <laughs> I had here because I was laughing so hard. And back at a convention, like, that year, there was, like, people dressed up as young dudes that, like, crossed with Mary Poppins. It was <laughs> so great. <laughs> it is the best line. Friggin' Guardians of the Galaxy and Thor Ragnarok, hands down. But in Infinity War... When Thor comes down and he's introducing Groot to Steve, he's like, this is my friend Tree. And then he's like, I am Groot. I am Steve Rogers. So cute. You don't understand. It was, it made me laugh out loud. He's so, he's so wholesome. He's so wholesome. Oh my gosh. Thor telling his Loki snake story. Yes. Yeah. 
Doug? Doug is dead? <laughs> I was like... Hello, <laughs> <laughs> <My> new Doug. <laughs> Hello, oh. new Doug. Oh, man. That's so good. <laughs> um, I have so many from... Okay, the play at the beginning of Thor Ragnarok <laughs> with Matt Damon, um, who just randomly appears in random shit now. So surprising. And, and, and the other Hemsworth brothers who I never remember. Luke, Hems- Hemsworth, Luke Hemsworth. And then you also had... um. Thor, in Thor, when he first has that drink of whatever, he's like, hmm, I like this. Another! And he smashes it. You know how many jokes I had after that? It was great. <laughs> that was, like, the funniest scene in the whole movie that I remember. He was like, oh. you could have just said that. So he's like, I want another. And he was like, I did. <laughs> I did! Oh, that's all I got. Oh, it was, um, it was Sam Neill who played Odin in the play. And I thought that you that did? yeah, that was oh Sam Neill. And I thought that that was great because now you say Jurassic Park and Jeff Goldblum and Sam Neill are part of the Jurassic Park family. And I thought that that I was really know. nice. Yeah, that was Sam. Neill. I had no idea. Yeah, every day is so much learning. <laughs> learning so much. If there was one character that you could be, who would you choose to be? If you could be any oh, character, who would you be and why? <laughs> For me, um, it wouldn't necessarily be a character. I would just want to be part of the Dora Milaje. I, I love it. And, and if anybody has watched Falcon and Winter Soldier, there's this beautifully shot scene. The choreography is beautiful. They're just badass women, and they're based on a real- Bald-headed daddy. <laughs> and they're based on a real tribe of women that are protectors. So I- any part of the Dormelage, I'm good. I will hold your spears if you want me to. I'm cool. I wasn't prepared for this, I, so I guess Scarlet Witch. Scarlet Witch as well. Because, as I mentioned, like I want to have telekinesis. I just want to be able to control things with my mind and be super powerful. And like it can be like watching anything with people with that power, like even like Stranger Things with like Eleven. You're just like Matilda. Matilda? Matilda? I knew you are Matilda. I think that's where it originated because, like, that was my like my movie as a child. I watched it over and over and over and over and over again. And we met her. We did. Yes, and I think the fact that it started off as you know, like I can move things with my mind, and as I've gotten older and I've seen more things with that power, like just like. It can, you can be so powerful with that. It's like, it's not just like, you know, like past that mug. I mean, I'm just going to get that mug over there. But I, yeah, it's just like, I can flip goddamn trucks and like bring buildings <laughs> upon it. part of the franchise we were given bop after bop it's amazing acdc um (laughs) i'm not an acdc but you know acdc iron man fleetwood mac we've had we've had just countless countless just jams like even guardians of the galaxy gave us a whole friggin' amazing soundtrack what would be your top five songs from either the franchise or what reminds you of the franchise 
So for me, I took this question and I did top 10. Yeah. Just because I personally, I love musical scores. I am a band geek. Jasmine knows this. You know this. Yeah. I have always loved uh, musical scores in movies. And I think that really does set the tone for how the movie is going to go. So my top five uh, movie soundtrack, I guess. All the music from Alan Silvestri, who is the composer for Avengers, Infinity War. And every time you hear the Avengers theme, like, I have the soundtrack in my car, and I also can't find my iPod. So I have the CD playing, and because it's so damn hot out, I turn up the music, and I crank that shit, and I, you know? <laughs> the Avengers theme just hypes me up. A good theme that's like composed really well like Jurassic Park or Hedwig's theme or Avengers like I get an emotional response from that a hundred percent yeah and I think that's a good point because when you think about the music you or like musical scores you do think of John Williams and he's like John yeah a hundred percent so other thing so Henry Jackman um taking a stand that's in Winter Soldier at the very end of the movie, and it kind of gave me Terminator 2 vibes, so I love that. The Guardian's main theme, Tyler Bates, that whole soundtrack, again, it just kind of pumps me up hearing it. The whole Black Panther soundtrack. Yes! Like the musical or musical score, Ludwig Göransson, uh, he produced the music, and he actually went to Africa and actually... Um, studied the different um, musical patterns and incorporated African singers into the soundtrack. So that, hands down, is fantastic and amazing. And the Thor Ragnarok main theme is by Mark Mothersbaugh. So when you hear that, it's got that kind of synth kind of sound. Like the very beginning when he's being chased by uh, Zerter? No, the friggin' dragon thing. Fantastic. You hear that music, pumps you up. That's my top five of the musical scores. So my top five songs that remind me of the MCU or just taken from the MCU. All of the Stars, Kendrick Lamar and SZA. Fantastic. Every time I hear that song, it fills me with hope, which is like a weird, I don't know if that's weird thing to say. I just really enjoy it. Yeah. Redbone, Come and Get Your Love. Set the whole tone for Guardians. Fantastic music sh- musical choice. Fleetwood Mac, The Chain. Again, I spoke about this before and what that song means to me. Uh, Led Zeppelin, Immigrant Song. <laughs> I had always loved that song and hearing it in Thor Ragnarok and listening to the lyrics, it makes sense with that Norse mythology. Mm. And Jay and the Americans come a little bit closer. In Guardians of the Galaxy 2, when Yondu is killing people, very odd, but it works so well. That was iconic. 100%. (laughs) To add to that, I think of, like, Mr. Blue Sky from the opening song of Guardians Mm -hmm. 2, and (laughs) when Halima and I were watching it together, um, I was like, yes, and then she's like, is it because of Baby Groot? And I'm like, well, yes, because Baby Groot's just like dancing in the foreground, but oh, yeah. absolute chaos happening in the background, and, like, Drax, like, <laughs> but, yeah. I, it's that contrast. 
it like it works really well. It did, yeah. And just like the bright colors and like the everything about it was was really well done. I when I think of like songs and Marvel's cinematic universe, I automatically go to the Guardians because like they like made like the soundtrack was just legendary. <laughs> um but I, I grew up in kind of like a old rock um like household with my dad and stuff like that. So like A C D C and like Blix oh. Bob like, and things like that. Um but yeah I felt like that was very fitting to Tony Stark's character. Which um but yeah I, I don't really have anything that comes to mind besides that. I I just yeah, I think that the songs are very well placed and very meaningful, like a lot of thoughts put into them. Unlike Suicide Squad, just saying. They did a horrible job, so I'm hoping James Gunn does it better and not try hard. With the soundtrack, or just in general? in general? No, like the Suicide Squad, if you rewatch that, there's like so many different songs thrown at you, like, and it's... It's not very cohesive. No, it's just, it's trying to be like Guardians. It's essentially trying to be like Guardians, and it's doing a poor job of it. Seriously, watch it and see how many different songs are in like five minutes just introducing characters and it's done poorly what about you so for me it would be ops by ben staples and you blackrock it just pumps me up every time i love it king's dead again j-rock kendrick lamar future james blake um another one that it's kind of the only reason i picked it it's because it's it's like kind of like a callback to dr strange but Power by Beyonce, because when Doctor Strange is asking for Benedict Wong's character's name, he only gives him one name, and he's like, so you're like Eminem, Drake, Beyonce? Like, so he comes up with, like, oh. a different name every time. So the yeah. only reason I picked it is because it was funny to me. So Power by Beyonce. Um, I Want You Back by Jackson 5, because that was in the Guardians of the Galaxy oh, yeah. um, movie. And there's this cute video of my niece, because I bought my sister the Groot tree. And then there's this cute video. Yeah, that dances. And there's this cute video of my niece. And she's like maybe one and a half, two, one and a half. And she presses it and she starts dancing to it. And it's just so cute. And it warms my heart that it just like, it's music that transcends generations. And then Redemption by from the Black Panther soundtrack by Zakari and Babs Wadumo. Just the entire soundtrack I yeah. get behind every time and whenever I put it on it just makes me happy and just amazing. So before we end the episode, this is the longest episode we've done so far. <laughs> reporting on three in ten years. In ten years it's bordering on three it's bordering on three um, three hours here. So before we do, before we end the episode, I want to end it with the unpopular opinion by many people, but popular to us, that Cap fucked up the timeline. So I wrote this down because I knew that we needed to address it. So when they're going into it and they're explaining it, there's explain it like this. So they get round one round trip each, one test round. Changing the past doesn't change the future, is what it says. You travel to the past, the past becomes the future. The former present becomes the past, 
which can't be changed by your new future, is their theory. Sorry, so for listeners, if you're hearing page turning, that's just me. So then when the Hulk goes to visit uh, the Ancient One and get the Time Stone, she's like, what are you doing here? Why do you want this Time Stone? So he ex- Or she explains to him, the Infinity Stones flow in time. Remove one stone, the flow splits, and with a new branch reality, you don't have a chief weapon anymore, and the world will run over. Erase it and return it to the timeline. Um, so then their plan is to return it to the timeline when it's ta- when it's taken, and the reality, chronologically, you never left the, race, the stone in the first place. So if you take the stone, essentially... The timeline is out of whack. But if you return it in the exact moment you took it, then you're fine. And the reality is that it never left. So that's the idea. Anyways. I found a hole in this because at that time when Loki takes a space stone, he fucked up that timeline now. Because if you are, you need to return that space stone into that timeline before it was taken... So that timeline's gonna be fucked up. So I hope, again, they explain it because they messed it up. So here's the unpopular opinion. So Cap has to go back and return the stones the exact time that they were taken. Then we see an old man, Steve, come back because young man, Steve, misses his time spot. Then he puts the stones back and went to go on and live a life, which I was just like, how do you go live a life if... You had to put the stones back in the exact same part that you took them to defeat Thanos in order for the timeline to continue without there being repercussions. So if someone can explain it to me because I'm not quite understanding it, please do. Wait, you're, you're talking about the stones? I'm talking about the fact that based on what Mark Ruffalo... Mark Ruffalo? Bruce Banner said about how changing your future and whatever. The yeah. fact that Cap lived out his life in another... It's technic- It would be another timeline because then there's two Steves. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. It makes zero sense. So the fact that they did that, it contradicts everything that they said. So what they should have done was... Cap should not have been seen. He shouldn't have come back. He should have... There should have been a scene with him and Peggy. He lived out his life in another timeline because... It doesn't make any sense. And he has that shield, which I said earlier. So where did he get that shield from? Because theoretically, there would be another Steve in that other universe. I guess he would frozen. Where did he get the... Like, it doesn't make any sense. So I have a theory that that younger Steve put the stones back. Then it would make sense for him to put the stones back and then go live with Peggy, the younger Steve. So then does the older Steve know? Yeah, but stones aside, it doesn't, it still doesn't make any sense. He's living out in our timeline, but it's not our timeline. It's another timeline. And what, is he not Captain America? He just doesn't do anything. He doesn't save the world. Like he just lays low. It doesn't make any sense and it makes me so angry. I'm sorry. (laughs) Sorry, I cut you off. (laughs) No, but I was thinking, so then does old man Cap Steve, that timeline Steve, know to come back? to take that younger Steve's timestamp and come back. And then does younger Steve meet older Steve to be like, can you just grab your shield and then go back, take my timestamp 
And then I can go live a life with Peggy and live out my days, right? So this you is silly. It's silly. It doesn't make any sense. And the fact that he saw himself already in the other messed up timeline now, where he thought that was Loki. So you think Ghost? You're seeing yourself. You're gonna say, "Hey, I'm you from the future to this." Whenever he was born, twenties. Yeah. Know, whenever yeah. he was born, this old man now. You think my mind would be blown? I'd be like, "Holy shit, go away, <laughs> go away!" Yeah, I Salutation. really have not thought on this matter whatsoever, so I don't have an opinion. You should. I, yeah, you should. Rewatch it. Sounds like it. the only thing that I thought of that, and maybe that had some, maybe what he said at the beginning, Halima, with like the rules of time travel. I was the only thing that kind of bothered me is that. He kind of stepped into Peggy's life, which means that her husband and his, her children that she had with him, and she was like, she was perfectly happy. Like, mm-hmm. does, does his, does their love story have more importance than the one that she, um, established when Cap was in the ice? Like, yeah. That's, 100%. That's the yeah. only thing that made me go, um. <laughs> so that's why. She already had a life, and. He messed it up. Like, that's great that you were her first love, but you theoretically died, and she moved on, and she had her own life after that, and you fucked it up, because you're selfish now. You're Tony Stark, and Tony Stark is now you, because he sacrificed himself. Yeah, and who's to say that he was the better choice for her? Like, because they didn't know each other for that long. Am I right? You were right. Yeah. So that's why I think the point of, you know, what is a villain, if we're looking at Steve, his villainous choice, (laughs) well, his villainous choice was to go back in this fuck up Peggy's life and just be like, you're with me now, goodbye to the family that you've had. He was the villain the whole time. The whole time. When that Steve said, hail Hydra in the elevator, that was no joke. He was the villain the whole time. I love these unpopular opinions. I think they're... But it's not unpopular. It's the truth. The the, produ- the director... I'm sorry, the Russos didn't agree with what happened. Or they didn't... I think it was the writers and... Like, whoever. They What they said didn't make any sense. Basically, they, it doesn't make any sense. And that's why I said, I hope Loki somehow fixes this. I don't yeah. know how. But there's... Logic and science doesn't make any sense. Again, Steve should not... Old man Steve should not have been at the end. He... We just should have seen him live out a life in another timeline. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. He has to pass on the shield that we don't know where Well, that's just it. Like, whose shield did you take? And that... And, like, if that was the only shield of its kind, where the fuck did you get that one from? He stole it. He's a thief. <laughs> He's a thief. He's selfish. <laughs> he steals people's lives. And to and to justify it, to say I went out to get some of that life to- Tony told me to get, that doesn't justify your answer of fucking up the whole timeline. I'm sorry. I understand that you want to marry the ghost of girlfriend's past, but you knew her for three days. And I'm sorry, he had a thing with Sharon Carter. Weird. Which also makes it even more weird. Weird. Oh, you, like, what? And then poor Sharon's like, well, 
I'm on the run. I lost Steve. I guess I'm going to be, uh, go to Madripoor and do my thing. Yeah. Spoiler is like, well. But I'm also wondering, though, um, before we close it, and this will probably get Cheryl and all riled up, but, like... (laughs) That's my secret. I'm always angry. (laughs) But I'm also wondering that in in between of putting the stones back, right, um, he went to dance with Peggy because we only see him as young man Steve. We don't see a photo of him... The, of their wedding day, we see that old man Steve is married, but I guess does young Steve marry Peggy, or do they just meet up to dance? Like whose house is that? So within returning the stones, does he do a quick drop off to Brooklyn and be like, "Let me go see what's up with Margaret"? I don't know. Also, does he inject Natalie Portman? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? When you're putting the stones back, does he re-inject Natalie Portman with this? Exactly. I want to see that movie. And he also meets, he has to meet Red Skull. Like, yes. how does that happen? There's so many things with that that I, I would want to see what he does. So maybe, maybe he'll show up in Loki. Maybe. Actually. Yeah. Like, I have no idea. I want to thank you ladies for going on this journey with me. I, this again, was probably the longest episode that we've done, and it's <laughs> rightfully so as the season finale of What's Your Hustle. So if you've listened this far, God bless you. God bless your ears. Go watch all these 23, 26 movies, however long they are, and go watch the continuation. Pump yourself up for phase three slash four. And enjoy the ride. It was, it was, you know, 10 years of our lives, our entire 20s, and it was filled with surprises. And like, when I saw Guardians of the Galaxy, I literally thought, what the fuck is this movie? But I'm glad that I watched it. It's one of my favorites. I want to, you know, as they sweetly thanked the cast at the end of the credits of Endgame. I also want to sweetly thank the cast for dedicating the better part, like, dedicating years um, to your craft and to your fans. And thank you to the writers, to the producers, to the directors, to the boom operators, to the camera operators, to everybody, to craft services. Thank you for nourishing our heroes. Thank you for inspiring goals, inspiring filmmakers, inspiring people that want to get into the business, inspiring, inspiring children. The best moment that I've had over the cinema, over my experience of watching these movies is when I was watching Civil War and the kid behind me, when the scene took place in the airport, the battle scene, the kid behind me was like yelled out in the best excitement ever. Yes. He was so excited. And that is... I was that kid. (laughs) (laughs) And that was, to me, the reason that I enjoy these movies, go see these movies, is because of the joy you bring to myself, to these ladies, to audiences around you. What, What Marvel has done, Marvel Studios, has not gone in vain. And we are excited for the future of what you bring. Sorry, I was gonna ask you guys what you hope to see in the future for phase four and onward i just want to continue to see more representation like i'm happy that they're doing shang chi 
Um, the internals, I'm happy that their cast is diverse. I, I, you would know more than me, Sharalanda, if they're sticking to source material in terms of ethnicity, but, um, yes and no, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. Um, yeah, I'm just excited just to see what's next. I don't know that I would go as hardcore as I have in the last, you know, in the last, like, 13 years, but I'll watch. I'm still a fan. I, I will still watch and I will still support, and I'm just excited to see what comes next. Yeah, Jasmine? We be introduced to some more characters and get some more backstories and experience more of the stories that are out there. Because I hadn't heard of these characters, like the Eternals and um, these other ones that are coming out. So, yeah, I'm excited to learn more about the canon, is that right? <laughs> the canon, yes. What's up there? Mm-hmm. And what about you? For myself, we got X-Men back, we got Fantastic Four. That is what I'm excited for. I am excited to finally see the characters that I love done right mm-hmm. and not that some of the casting before was like like Hugh Jackman as Wolverine was fantastic but some of the other characters that I don't feel were represented in a great way Storm for example I'm sorry I don't like Holly Berry as Storm I just want them yes I want them to have justice I'm also excited to see Blade again um shout out to Wesley Snipes back in the day he was fantastic Blade um, but we're finally going to get more of that um, kind of cosmic magic universe because vampires are here, part of the, the dark hold and the, all kinds of things. So that's very exciting to see. And speaking of Wesley Snipes, um, for those that don't know, originally Wesley Snipes had wanted to be Black Panther. And this was many, many moons ago in the 90s. Oh, he I lobbied for uh, being Black Panther, but it just didn't work out. And it just proves that there's a time and place and everything happens when it's supposed to happen. I want to thank my listeners for sticking around for just for the second season, especially for this episode. I want to thank you both for being here and sharing your story of what has impacted us so greatly. I mean, there isn't, again, nothing that we can't talk about when it comes to Marvel. Like, you've already heard and witnessed. We can go on and on and hours and hours for it. Um, thank you, ladies. I got more. I got more content. <laughs> <laughs> nothing just came to mind, but I'll give it to myself. <laughs> oh, can we talk about it after? Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much, ladies, for being on this episode with me. Thank you for finishing season two with me. I look forward to season three and what else we can do for fun, light episodes that just bring joy to our hearts because we need that in these times. So thank you. Thank you so much for having us talk about this because I get very excited. And the fact that I could re, well, I already rewatched the movies, but the fact that I had to like study, um, to talk about this. And like you said before, just catching things that I missed previously. Also, I want to, sorry, one more thing. <laughs> I just want to say that the feeling I felt after watching Endgame is how I wanted to feel after Game of Thrones, how I wanted to feel after the, the new Star Wars trilogy. I didn't, get those from my fandom, but I got it from the MCU. So shout out Kevin Feige. Any excuse to watch things that I enjoy is uh, something that I will happily take part in. Um, the thing that came to mind was 
as I was watching Iron Man this week, when he was kind of like hammering, um, my husband told me that that was the sound that was playing in the credits of Endgame. So kind of like he was like hammering the MC, making the MCU what it was. They kind of closed it off nicely with that. So I thought that was like a full circle thing. And that was really clever. Iron Man. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, there's like the hammering sound at the beginning, like at the end of beginning of the credits. Yes. Okay. But yeah. <laughs> okay. I said I said everything I wanted to say. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, listeners. I want to thank all my guests and listeners over the past two seasons of What's Your Hustle. Thank you to all of my guests for trusting me with their stories, hustles, and inspirations, and to my listeners for riding with me. We'll be back for season three, but until then, be sure to follow us on Instagram at What's Your Hustle Podcast. Subscribe, listen, rate, review on Apple Podcasts. Follow on Spotify, as well as anywhere else you stream podcasts. And until next time, whatever your hustle is, you got this.